All right, everybody, welcome back to another Thursday evening here with Bearded Drums Live on YouTube. Both Jarrett and I are both keyed up today, I'm sure, because of all the stuff we've been doing and all the projects going on, and Jarrett had another hasty entrance today as becoming his... his, um, (laughs) becoming part of the usual <laughs> cuts deep Stephen. cuts deep <laughs> that's all right you made it on time i don't care um so again thank you for joining us for another thursday bearded drums live stream are you ready for tonight's hot topic jared oh yeah i did kind of leak it to one person did you yeah who mike Anderson? No, Malone. We, we, oh, okay. We're buddies. We, uh, he was. We were talking on Instagram earlier this week about that whole that Gretsch thing. Mm-hmm. He checked in on me about it. So hopefully it'll be a a well received topic. I think it's going to go over well. I believe if Hugh is watching at this point, I think he's either at home watching us on the live stream or he is at the Mexican restaurant with Brenda. Having <laughs> he told me he said um. He's like, yeah, we went to the Mexican restaurant to have margaritas, and she just like literally had her phone out <laughs> in the restaurant with the bearded drums live stream. He's like, we really enjoyed it. It's <laughs> like that's awesome. I didn't really <laughs> think about that. <laughs> so, uh, I guess to go ahead and get it, it's been quite a week. Um, the last time we checked in with all of you, we showed off my new snare drum. Yep, which Jared and I both got to play and tweak. Uh, Sunday night at the open jam and we got it, you know, we got it right where we wanted it. And then we took it over to Hughes and Hugh was really, he loves it. Yeah. He was really impressed with it, which made me feel good about the craftsmanship I did on the drum and we played it and I, and I always forget that how terrible drums sound at the juke. Yeah. But then we get it into Hughes little Florida room that has nice echo and a little bit of reverb and it sounded so good and it made me even feel because I was like, maybe we have to take the bottom, take the heads off, and like maybe redo the the stair yeah. bed. And no, now that we played it at Hughes and it got the the Hugh Barlow seal of approval, yeah, I think uh, I think that one is uh, a little sticker. Like if Hugh approves, put a little <laughs> a little check mark. Just his glasses, which I thought I was like, wow, I'm done. It took like a week to do of like continuous work every night, and uh, you know now I can relax. No. No, neither Jarrett nor I can relax because it seems like we finish a project or a trade or a sale and we're immediately diving in to the next one. It's like a continuous, it never ends. And I've been, well, I I shouldn't complain because I didn't do anything during COVID lockdown. Didn't really do that much leading up until about a month ago. So now it's like, I'll show you the pictures when we get to my section of the show. Um, but before we jump into all the segments and our new segment of the week, yep, um, just want to remind everybody, as usual, you are watching here on li- live on YouTube every Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. But if you want to catch the audio-only version of the podcast to save on data costs, you can catch us at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Oh, Simply search the word Bearded, Bearded Drums. Drums. <laughs> so if you want the audio only version, uh, usually at the end of the night or early in the morning, I'll get it loaded up so you can go check those out. We've actually been getting good plays on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, 
So um, I guess as usual, to start off the week, we'll start with what we are currently working on. And as usual, we will start with Mr. Jarrett, if I can get my... Uh... No, 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 I'm sorry. We will not start with Jared. We will start how we should always start and thank Mr. Watson Nord, as usual, the main financial provider, the backer for Bearded Drums Live. Yes, sir. We, uh, what do they say on all the charities? We've received an endowment from the Watson Nord Foundation. <laughs> Foundation. <laughs> so, as usual, thank you to Watson for helping us get started here on YouTube with all the stuff that had to be bought. But, that being done, now we can actually get to Jared's photos. And let me get you pulled up here. Um, so, Jared, take us through. I think the first one is the last week, which you sent, you'll see it on the monitor. But take yeah. us through kind of what you are going through right now. Okay. So disregard all the fishing stuff in the background. Do not disregard the fishing stuff. Right, Feel well, the stream. So a little before we start the drums, the another passion I have equal to mine with drums is fishing and being on the water. So if there's anything I spend as much money on drums as as much as on fishing tackle alone, it gets a little, it's a little stupid. But anyway, it's okay. We all have our passion projects. Just want to preface that. So that is the second coat of the journal finishes Java gel stain. Um, so I was that's my little project I've been working on. And it's 7 by 12, 12 by 14, then 14 by 18. Um, so that's the second coat. I've been putting on really light. And you can kind of see in some of the photos how there's, I got some blemishes. And so before I did the third coat last night when I just went heavy on everything, the grain still shows through, but the blemishes are there. So I had to sand a good chunk of it down. It was still there, but in the next photo you'll see let me get you pulled up here. This is your, see. this is so, an un angle of your last couple photos. So those I did it really heavy. Um, the way that stain works, it's real thick, and it goes on really smooth too. And so you just put it on thick, and then you barely kind of wipe it around to get all the excess off. And since it's oil and not water based, it doesn't penetrate the wood super deep, so it makes it kind of easy to work with. And you got a longer like working time, yeah, compared, time. Yeah, compared to like you're saying that stuff. Oh, we're going to get to that here in a minute. Yeah. So that has like a longer working time when you put it on real thick. Um, and so you just put it on and then you take a cloth that's already got the stuff on it, the material on it, and then you just kind of use that to wipe it down. So that's the base drum looks the same. But now any of the weird blemishes and then the floor tom, there's a weird line from the wood itself. It's like a perfect line all the way around. That's now covered. So it looks cool, and it's real And what dark. was that stain again? Let them know in case they're interested in... It's General Finishes Oil Gel Stain, and that particular color is called Java. That's their like their flagship best-selling uh, colors, Java. And specifically, gel stain. Not yeah. just regular water-based stain, the, the water-based gel stain. No, it's oil-based. Oil-based gel stain. Oil oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. why. It's oil-based gel, and it's real thick like pudding. And so whenever you put it on, it just glides. It's, it's been really easy to work with. And it's very forgiving, which is, I guess, one of the things they kind of boast about that product of theirs is that if you have no idea what you're doing, get the, get the gel-based. Yeah. And it makes it really easy. It's dummy-proof. Yeah, and I've got your other um, – yeah. I got your – this is, I guess, just another angle of those same two drums. Yeah, so they're pretty dark. 
Um, but they look good. The coat looks even. Um, and I can't really see from that one or from this one. I can't really see anything that, like, no, like, blemishes or no, like, weird spots. It looks pretty even um, all the way around the shell. So I think it'll turn out good. Are you going to... Are you going to clear coat these in the end, or are you going to leave them as, uh, as Yes, is? so they have a very cool finish uh, for their oil-based stuff because you can mix oil and water, but you've got to give it more time mm -hmm. to dry because the oil takes longer to dry. But they have an oil base, which after tomorrow I'll start putting it on, letting that dry up pretty well before I put it on. But it's called Armor Seal. comes in satin, satin gloss, and gloss. Yeah. And it's like real thin. And it's made for um, vertical surfaces is our yeah. big thing. Um, you can put it on like countertops and stuff, but the big selling point is anything vertical. Yeah, because it it, so it doesn't your runs are real easy to get rid of. Huh. And so with the how that works is you put it on a good bit, and then you just take like the same process. You just slowly wipe it off all the way around, and get all the excess off, and you're good to go. Yeah. And so, well, like I said, the the photos look good, and uh, I'll be interested to see. Um, you know what it looks like what you told me but just let them know what was the shells where'd you get the shells it, from i got the shells from infinity drumworks on reverb they have some snare shells of the same uh same configuration on uh on their reverb site they got seven by 14s up unfinished and what what are, are aren't they like maple pop or maple or maple? it's a uh, maple mahogany maple so to me it's like a I'm getting a Ludwig kit that I get to make without having to spend, you know, $1,300 on an old, I guess something kind of new and make it my own. Well, I mean, I think we've been learning here lately. It's super fun to make stuff. Oh, it's Even a blast. though it's super time consuming. Good Lord. It really is. Um, but just to add to his, and I just did it. Um, so I guess kind of getting into my section of the week. Um, Number one, I think I don't have it all the way in frame, but and I'll get it hung next week properly where you can see it. But Hugh Barlow, our kind of mentor, our kind of granddaddy for teaching us all the the ins and outs of customizing drums, and the tricks and of the trade, yeah, yeah, all of the stuffs. Um, being a great drummer and a great drum craftsman, yeah. Um, also is an amazing painter. I mean, his house is peppered with medium, super large paintings, uh, music related or like landscape type yeah. colorscape things. I know David, uh, Supernet, if you're here, he's really keen on getting one of the paintings that he's seen in, in a video that was of Hughes and David, uh, if you are here, I got you. Um, so you need to email me. You were supposed to actually email me, email us last week about that Gretsch bass drum. Yeah. And I did check my junk mail. So I don't think, uh, I don't think you sent me an email. If you don't, or if you didn't, that's cool. If you're not worried about the bass drum, but at least give me, uh, send me an email so I can get you in touch with Hugh about, cause he did mention while we were over there, uh, yesterday, um, that he was actually selling some of those paintings. Um, so I want to get you. But anyway, the point being is his house is covered with all these great paintings and he's a really good painter. And for my birthday yesterday, Hugh gave me this little painting right here and it's kind of cut off. You know, we're missing about, I don't know, 
six inches of the painting, but you can see there's a tom kind of here in the middle, and you can't see there's a tabla drum up in the corner, but really cool painting, uh, one of the cooler uh, birthday presents. I've, he kind of sprung it on us. We hung out all day talking drums, building drums. We were cutting some bearing edges, and at the end, he was like, you like that painting? I was like, oh, yeah, you know, all these paintings are really great. He's like, happy birthday. So thanks to Hugh again for my really cool, super colorful, hand-painted work of art by Hugh Barlow. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll get it. I'll get it hung right next week. I just kind of wanted to get it up, and I didn't realize it wasn't already already in the frame. Uh, but but thank you again, Hugh, if you are watching for that. That was a a very cool present. But um, to get to what I'm working on, uh, you all saw the drum that I did last week, and you would think after a hard week of work of like staying up till three o'clock every night that I would maybe take a break. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Um, as you know, um, the drum that we built last week that we showed uh, was a section of a pearl marching snare. We took the insert out of the pearl marching snare and cut it up into like three pieces. He's got the pancake snare I made, yep. and now we have the single tension wood hoop snare um, from last week. Um, and now I've taken the last section and decided to make myself a two and three quarter by 14 inch piccolo and i wonder if i can find the right i think it's gonna be this one if i can find the right pick there we go it's terribly out of focus but that is the shell with the first coat on it of just men wax i think the color is called worn navy so it's kind of like a blue but it looks like a worn out blue um so that's just the uh the shell taped off and with the first coat on it i actually have it in the back now with the second coat on it i think that's where i'm going to stop so that is the last section that we cut out of that pearl marching snare that is a two and three quarter by in, uh, by 14 inch maple shell and we are going to turn that into a super i guess that'd be a super piccolo because yeah. it's under three inches um I've got all my parts ordered from Drum Factory Direct. Thank you again to Brian, as always, for helping me out. That stuff should be here either over the weekend or Monday. Um, so by then, I will have that thing lacquered. The lacquer will have been cured. All I have to do is drill my holes for the lugs and be done. Hopefully everything goes together. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'll have another drum to show you next week. But like I said, projects aplenty going on right now. I th I don't I don't even know how it came up. Do you remember how the little junk Frankenstein kit came into play? I don't. Or did I just say I'm gonna? I think I just said I was gonna take that bass drum. Yeah. So I had a pearl marching bass drum, a competitor series bass drum. It's like black, black hoops with just a white wrap shell. Sixteen by sixteen, I think, or sixteen by fourteen. I think it's fourteen. It's so yeah, so sixteen by fourteen. Uh, one of the smaller marching bass drums, and I stripped it, sanded it down, stained it, and are prepping that for lacquer. And Jarrett just happened to mention, you know, because I had built the single tension snare drum. He's like, well, you know, I've got a a little, what was it? Like, was it a snare? Yeah. So I got that when my band was still at a storage unit rehearsing. This guy was like, you play drums? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want this? I was like, one, one. And he opened up his unit and just pulled out a bag. He's like, I don't play this. This is me trying to build a drum. And it was, I mean, the hardware on it was not the best. 
I mean, there's a cracked lug and yeah, and the throw off and the butt plate was like thin and it was, you could like almost bend it with your fingers. Like it was, <laughs> it was bad. But the shell wasn't that terrible because I had the same kind of idea as you because I had that little first stack floor tom. Yeah, and I I did all that stuff. So I was always make it match that. Um, but you saw I got part of the way and just kind of stopped. Well, he was nice enough to hand it over to me. It's like a twelve by seven or no, I think six? it's like a it's like a five and a half. Is it okay? Yeah. It's just a little twelve inch snare shell. But he had the super dope kind of Yamaha style yeah, Yamaha or styled. the Gibraltar style wood hoop. Yeah, that was the cool um, part. Which about getting is that from him worth way more than the drum itself. Just those hoops. So yeah. he handed it all over. Uh, just like the other one, I stripped it down, and as if if this is the right, there it is. So that is on the rack in the workshop right now. That is with the stain is done, and you can see where Jarrett had filled in some of the holes. And I don't know if I told you this because I'd mentioned I was going to do single tension. I found some center lugs, some top and bottom center lugs, and went ahead and drilled out for and I already put it together. So the whole thing will go together just fine. But that is. It's in the workshop right now, drying on the rack. It already already has been stained, and it has the third coat, I think, of poly on it, and I will do probably the fourth and fifth coats tonight. So let them sit overnight, let them dry out, and then tomorrow the tom for the little Frankenstein kit will be done. And then I also have, that's the snare shell, this should be, this is the bass drum. So this is that 16 by 14 inch pearl marching bass drum stripped sanded down with the same uh stain on it it has no finish yet i haven't gotten to that drum uh, you can kind of see on the right hand side i drilled out for the um what do you call it the bass drum spurs and i did have to fill in a couple of holes you can kind of see in the middle of the shell to the top there was like a bass drum uh what do you call it a floor tom mount i had put on there i had to fill those holes in so I wasn't really worried about it being the prettiest thing. Yeah. I just wanted a little Frankenstein kit. So that will, as soon as I get done with the Tom, I'll start putting the lacquer on that. And that'll give me a 16 by 14, a 12 by five, five and a half, half, maybe six. And then I've got to find myself a floor Tom. So just a little Frankenstein kit all in the same finish. That coincidentally will match the finish of the drum I showed last week, the custom build that I did. And um, then really I just got to find, I think like I said, looking for maybe like a Ludwig marching snare with the wood hoops. Make that the floor tom. Yeah. Maybe even leave the snares on it and make it a snom. Because I, I did tell you, I don't know if it's still on eBay or not, I did find that uh, stone drum. Yeah. It's a 15 by 11 uh, well, I'm spending enough money right now. So yeah. I'm gonna, it, we're going to. But <laughs> so I've got the one snare that's done. The next snare that you saw is prepped and ready for Polly. The parts are on the way. Now I've jumped into doing a little Frankenstein kit, which will probably end up being 12. It is 16, 12, and probably something in the 14 range on the bottom. So all the parts are coming for all of that stuff. By early week, I should be done with that. And you would think that that would be enough. It's never enough. No, 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 no. Not enough to keep my plate full. So the very next thing, now, like I did mention before, yesterday was my 39th birthday, and super awesome day. I got to hang out with, uh, not actually, yesterday was my actual birthday. Tuesday, 
you and me went over to Hugh's house and we went like at noon. Yeah, we didn't leave till like five thirty. Yeah, we hung out. We had a blast. Hugh had his super cool um, jazz playing, a lot of Latin jazz. So good. He has the best tunes. Yeah, he does have some very cool classic <laughs> jazz tunes. Not like big band stuff, but like... It's a straight ahead. Yeah. Really cool stuff. We were drinking wine all day, talking about drums. Jarrett brought like three of the new... Um, or was it two new acquirements, snare-wise... The yeah. Ludwig and the Swindle. Yep. Brought, over that, brought all his new Constantinopoles to show <laughs> Hugh. I brought all of the snares I've acquired since Christmas. The little 58 Ludwig, the one I built, the thumb, the thumbscrew models. I brought him. My, we, it was just like Christmas over at Hugh's, and he was having a great time smacking around on everything. Yeah, he couldn't pick which one he liked the most. He was like, that one's cool. He's like, I like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a great time, and it was fun to celebrate my birthday. We cut the edges for the shell that I showed you that's got the lacquer on it. And while we were there, Hugh, I had two of the 13-inch single-tension drums, the Ludwigs, with me. And uh, Hugh fell in love with both of them. And he did mention on the way out, he's like, well, if you ever get ready to sell one of those, you know, let me know. He didn't care like, which one it was. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. The wood hoop one or the metal hoop one, I don't care. I was like, all right. Well, he called me... Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. He called me and he's like, well, I know that you like single tension drums and he wants one of my single tension drums. He had a, I think the thing is like pre-1900, if you were to guess. Yeah, it has to be. I mean. Uh, we don't know what it is uh, as far as the brand. It kind of reminds me of like the, the pre-1900 sonar stuff because it has that same lug yeah. that yours does or tension tension rod but it's like definitely minimum 100 years old yeah like that's it's probably more like 120 years old if not older i have a picture here so this is a 16 inch snare drum by four inches deep solid ply that is one ply completely wrapped around with the most beautiful hand-painted wood hoops I've ever I seen. I mean, those are dope. Um, really, I mean, to be honest with you, in super good condition to be, I'm sure, at minimum 120 years old. Yeah. Uh, Great-looking snare. And if if you follow, like, A&F or any of the really boot... I think A&F is the only one correct that's doing... A 16-inch snare drum. Yeah, because I've because I was trying to find parts to take that cut off our 16 for mine, and they're the only ones that make yeah. stuff for them. And it's like god awful expensive. Yeah, it's like thirteen hundred dollars or something like that. So Hugh said, you know, it doesn't matter which of the two single tension Ludwig's you want to get rid of. Trade me one. They're about the same value. I think I paid about 140 for mine. And he paid the lady about 125 for that. So I was like, okay. And it, he called me this morning and just said, had mentioned like the next time I come over to bring some 16 inch heads with me to make sure the modern heads will fit this shell yeah. and that the hoops will sit flat, you know? So I was like, well, I'm not doing anything right now. I'll come over right now. So I ran over there. I brought the Ludwig single tension 13 with wood hoops with me. And, uh, we put the heads on and actually I have it right here. This is the drum. So, huge snare drum. 
single tension with the I mean like a drum key won't even fit on these lug tops. It's more like uh uh, like something you'd need a ratchet for. Like yeah. there's the square at the top is super huge, probably twice the size yeah. of a typical tension rod. So this big old boy is the solid ply, God knows how old, sixteen inch by four inch snare drum. That could be your floor tom for that. For well, hold on. So we put the heads on. The heads on went fine. Um, there the heads on. The heads went on just fine. The rims, everything, I mean, it's, it's put together right now. So I started looking around. Of course, A&F is the only company that makes 16-inch snare wire. Who would make 16-inch snare wires, or why would they need to? Yeah. <laughs> A&F had 16-inch snare wires. Sweetwater had them in stock for $44. So I, as soon as I left Hughes, I gave him the drum, and I gave him the, the wood hoop one because if I'm trading him for a wood hoop, there's no point in keeping the wood hoop. So I said, I'll keep the metal hoop one. The shells are the same. So I've got another wood hoop drum. Sweetwater had the 16-inch snares. Last one in stock. Ordered those. Uh, I found, I didn't even know they made this stuff. Chicago Music Exchange had a 16-inch Ambassador Hazy. Nice. Like a snare side. So I ordered the snare side 16-inch from Chicago Music Exchange and I got the little beer tap Gibraltar the the George Way copy. Yeah. So everything is already been ordered for this drum and luckily there's not much that has to be done with this drum is other than literally when the parts come in drill the two holes for the butt plate and the throw off. Uh, the throw off. I think what I am going to do is I'm going to I'll put the picture back up. I'm going to clear coat those rims. I'm not going to do anything to the shell. I'll probably just put some lemon oil on the shell, but to protect that hand painted finish, yeah. I'm gonna poly coat just the just the the hoops, and it'll make them pop. It'll make that black that's hand painted on there pop even more. But I'm not gonna do anything to the shell. Just put some lemon oil on it and kind of get the grime off of it. And I even called Brian at DFD and started asking the question and then he was like well just use the tension rods and the claws that are there there's 10 of them yeah so they look i mean they look cool they're they're all perfectly functional so i'm just going to use those put the new strainer on there put the 16 inch (laughs) (laughs) snare wires on there and this drum that you are looking at right now should be like the end all be all like the end of the road for single tension drums like yeah i've had 15s i've had couple of 13s this will be the mac daddy most leave on helm snare you've ever heard in your life hopefully it'll sound i'm sure i I have complete faith it'll end up sounding good um it'll be weird to put a 16 inch drum between your legs when you're playing yeah in the main snare (laughs) position but i I think it'll go well and uh either way it'll be cool to have uh to have a drum that old that now i'm sure what's going to happen and you'll all agree if you've ever and kind of ties in with today's uh, topic. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get my butt chewed out for drilling into this drum. Oh, yeah. And putting a throw off on it. Like, they are, I'm sure all the experts and the guys online that control the chat rooms are like, dude, that's a blah, 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 1890, blah, blah, blah. And you just drilled two holes in the side to put snare wires on it. But that's, I mean, I, Hugh agrees with me. We both had the same thing. It's like, yeah, screw you. Like, I want to play this thing. Yeah. I'm not trying to have it up on the 
on the 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 you know the closet or you know on the on the rack over there just like oh well isn't it cool looking yeah and you can't oh but you can't play it like no i'm gonna i don't care i'm gonna drill holes into this thing and we're gonna smack the crap out of it i'm gonna take it to the juke joint and then be like yeah that's right buddy that's a 16 inch snare drum you're playing right there yeah a and f b you know a and f be gone we don't need you no just your parts <laughs> yeah just your parts because granted you're the only ones that make <laughs> hand welded 16 inch snare wire so the journey continues with you know the never-ending cycle yeah of building stuff it's like you just get done you think you're going to take a break and no, we're just going to keep going. So be on the lookout. Jarrett's going to have a kit ready for us soon. I'm uh, going to have a... Well, you are. You're getting edge, close. Yeah. You're getting close. Slowly. Uh, I'll have a little Frankenstein kit here soon and two snare drums, probably within the next week. Like, by, I would imagine by next Thursday, all that stuff's going to be put together Yeah. and uh, and ready to play. So what, what I gotta, what I got to do... And I don't, I've kind of thought about it a couple of times. I think I really just need another camera. I want to be able to set, take this last input that we have that's open and be able to take a camera and just point it at that, or point it right there. Yeah. So we can play. Like I could be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Jarrett, go jump on the thing and show us this new whatever you got. And so we'll get to that. At the, the next, we're at episode six. So I kind of told Jared tentatively around episode, after episode 10. We would have enough time on air. We would have gotten comfortable just with how the show flows. Yeah. Um, and we would add another mic and start bringing in guests. So we're going to be doing that, you know, probably like episode 11. So like four more weeks, we're going to do that. And then after that, that'll be the next step is to get it to where we can be talking and somebody can get up and go g jump on that drum set and I can still get good audio. Yeah. Um, and do it, you know, do it live. But, you know, we'll, we'll baby steps and we're getting there. Yeah. I think we're doing good. For right now. So that's all my projects for the week, I think. Um, yep. That is all your projects for the week. Um, do we have anybody checking in on the chat before I jump into the next segment? Uh, old Spencer. Craig Seth says... Oh, we're hey. about to get to you, Spencer, buddy. We are about to get to you. He says, hey, guys, cheers and nice snare. It's good having you back, Spencer. I like having... Like, we got, we got our own set of regulars. I know. I like old Spencer. Spencer's been emailing me, so... I feel I feel connected. <laughs> I'm excited to see whatever whatever he sent in. Mm. Oh, is that it? So thus far, yeah, that's it. All right. So, just as promised from last week, we have our new segment of the show. That's going to be the second second segment every week, and that is going to be all of you viewers sending in stuff that you're working on to share with all of us. And I've got three guys to show off this week. Um, actually, I'll start with just because we didn't do it till way later on. Um, I totally forgot when we shared Scott stuff. Yeah. So I'll just quickly go back over Scott stuff. This is from Scott Shireman. I think I only have two of his three, but still, we'll, we'll show them again anyway. Um, this is the first kit that Scott refinished. I believe it's a Mapex. Super cool looking finish. I love that finish. Really dope finish. We mentioned that last week. Very pretty. You know, props to him on a very good job with that one. And I think the finish that me and Jarrett both liked the most, something for as far as how it would look on stage. Yeah. So I've, that's a super dope. I really like that. Color. I really do too. It's it's got the fade. It's pink. It's purple. But best of both worlds. Yeah. Pink and purple. 
But that's a very good job. So we did show it last week, but it was like later on in the show. Um, so I did want to give Scott a, another proper shout out now that we're actually doing this as a segment. Um, so, but as far as what was sent to me this week, the first one is from Spencer. And I'd have to go back to my email to remember how to say his last name. It's like Cragseth. Cragseth? Cragseth. Um, so anyway, Spencer. Uh, this is what Spencer has been working on lately. These are uh, blue and olive badge. Uh, are those olive badge? I can't yeah, see. Yeah, those are the white cortex, baby. Yeah, the white cortex. Blue and olive badge Ludwigs that he was working on. Um, and I don't think he gave me too much of a description in the email, like anything I should have written down. Um, but we've seen, you know, we've all seen. These are pretty common. Yeah. And now we can see how he's got them set up now. And I don't know why it's sideways. Yeah. Anyway. Um, just cock your head. Everybody just turn your head 90 degrees to the right and you'll see. I don't know why it decided to do that. Um, but a great looking little setup. Um, I like that you've got no port on your bass drum. No port. No, no port. port. Uh, what is that? Is that one of those like uh, it's kind of like the Yamaha sub kick? Is that what I see in front? So, um, I cannot remember the maker. If that's if I think it's they could uh it's Newman or Neumann, I think, uh is the person who makes that particular it's the same thing. It's a sub yeah, you it's, know, it's a, uh, a sub kick, yeah. yeah. Um but it's a nice little setup, man. I really like that. I, again I apologize. I don't know why the uh the computer is wanting to turn it to the right, but a very nice looking setup. You did a good job with your Ludwigs. Of course, everybody knows Ludwig is king. <coughs> <laughs> uh, but a very good, a very good job, Spencer. And if I can figure out at some point during the uh, live show here, once we start talk or once Jarrett starts talking, if I can get this turned right, I'll uh, I'll get that changed around for you. But still, the kit came out great. Super good looking kit. And a really nice selection of mics. You got a nice beta on the kick like, and nice, the sub kick. You got a beta 52, baby. Yeah. Uh, it looks like you got Zildjian on there. So a nice little setup. From, oh, yeah. From Spencer. So thank you, Spencer, for for sending that in. Very cool. And that's what we're going to be doing uh, the second segment of every show, just so everybody knows. If you want to send in just a project you've been working on or like a finished project or just want to show your drums off. Yeah. Uh, Bearded drums at gmail.com all lowercase bearded drums at gmail.com. Just send me uh, your pictures and give me kind of like a light description of what's going on. And uh, we'll get them, you know, every week we'll start, you know, if, if people send us and stuff, we'll start showing off stuff. Yeah. Even, even like a cool wing nut. That's always cool to me is the other small bits and bobs. You yeah. find something neat, you know? Yeah. Just a neat part or a cool pedal that you find. We don't care. That's kind of what this show is all about is talking about drums, playing drums, gear, everything like that. So just uh bearded drums at gmail.com every week. You can send those in and we'll get them featured here on the show. And the next one up is from Josh. And I want to say in the photo or at the end of the, um, Email Josh told me he actually builds drums or at least customizes drums. Oh, sweet. So it seems like he has um, uh, some experience with this. So this is the first one, and I think this is the this is the cooler of the... Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. Isn't that neat? That is cool. A nice USA 1776 kit. That's very cool. And especially from the first picture, what I really like is he used the old school bass drum spurs, the clip-on. Oh, nice! I, my 
your your mic boom uh, from your camera boom covers them up, but that's awesome. Really nice, and looks like you got flat base. I uh, can't tell. Is that Ludwig? Like Atlas flat base? I think it is. Um, so nice hardware. The kit looks killer, and I'm assuming that that is. I can't get that close to our screen, but I think that I guess that's his logo up at the top there. Uh, like I guess his drum building logo. So really good looking kit. I'll let me get to another shot of it here. I mean, it really pops there, and I love how you've got the uh, the lugs are blue, and all of the uh, hoop clips or the yeah the hoop clips on the bass drum are red, and then the thumb tensioners are on the bass drum are white. That's cool. And then he flips it around on the floor tom, where the top lug is blue, the bottom lug is blue, and the uh, tom mount is uh, the floor tom leg mount is red. So it's just cool how you made everything contrast yeah like that's really cool let's see if i got i got i think i got plenty of this kit so just a good looking you know kit and i really like the like the uh the font for the 1776 yeah. it looks like <laughs> it was written on parchment paper or something i would love to know and you'll just have to either if you're uh watching us right now josh uh let us know in the chat what the kit was um, before you, you know, refinished it, like what the brand was. I can't tell from the lugs, uh, but if you are here, let us know. We'd love to know what the kit was. Um, got nice Evans. Looks like, are those the UV1s, I think, or something on top. So a nice little setup. I think I have a couple more shots. Yeah. Um, so just a really good looking, like that's a cool job. Oh, yeah. Like you would notice that kit from a mile away oh yeah and he's also sent us in another kit i think that should be the next shot look at that oh that's neat <laughs> like completely cover i think i did that when i was way younger with a, a coffee table and i'd found a bunch of like not just bud light or miller Lite, yeah but found some cool bottle caps and done kind of the same thing and this looks really good i can't tell is that like a 10 12 16 or is that just like a 12 16 but there's just a random 10 on the side like a snare i wonder if i've got another well there's a close-up shot that's cool yeah really nice and probably super painstaking that you'd have to go in and mount each single bottle cap and then he's got every uh, screw that holds it in there oh that's right Color painted match, to match yeah. so very cool and i think i have a couple more shots of it yeah so there's the floor tom i can't i can't lean across this table to see what the bottle caps say um but still very cool job um probably took you forever yeah oh it's a 30 dollar percussion plus kit nice Dude, and I bet you it probably sings now. You got good heads on it, yep. which all I think we've all, I think we all can kind of agree. Any inexpensive drum kit, you put good heads on it. Maybe touch up the edges by yeah. hand, and you can make them sing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it probably does sing. And I think I have one more last like big shot of his. Uh, there you go. So there's the main shot. Just came out really cool looking. Again, like that's two really unique drum yeah. sets um so you have a couple pieces there that you know you can always say like well i got handmade usa screaming eagle and then this super cool customized uh bottle cap kit um that's really really cool really good job and like oh, yeah. i said i want to say that he told me he either customizes or builds drums in the uh 
in the email. So um, that is uh, what we got sent in this week. And thank you to Spencer and thank you to Josh for sharing your projects with us. That's uh, some super cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, even though we showed it last week, just later on in the show, thank you to Scott for sending in. So that's like, just like us, it seems like everybody's got little projects going on and they've built themselves stuff. And if you've never done it, I'd suggest to everybody to rip apart, rip a drum apart, go stain it. Yeah, or, learn, learn, learn how your stuff works. That was one of the biggest things I know that Doctor Wooten at the drum set camp I did kind of preached us. He's like, take apart all your stuff, put it back together. Yeah, oh, learn, yeah. Learn how it works. What's you know what makes it work? Like really take it apart, take yeah. everything apart, and put it back. But yeah, it's like if you have a snare drum that you just hate the wrap, man, get you a hair dryer and melt that glue seam off. Take that 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 wrap off, sand it down, and just go get some men wax from Walmart. That's how I started out way back in the day, refinishing drums was just like, and that's really to be honest with you, what I still use because I, I did take your advice and go have some custom stuff made at Lowe's, and I hated it so much I took it back today. And, uh, and here's the and the thing I told him I had the exact same stuff he wanted. Mine turned out great, and it was water based. Yeah. Well, I'm he may disagree. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Pro tip, because I've done enough drums in my life to throw my opinion out there, don't use water-based stain on a drum. It dries way too quick, and it does not give you enough time to go back and smooth everything out. Use oil-based. He seems to have really good luck with the oil-based gel stain, and I just use the regular Minwax stuff um, that you can find at Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, but the oil-based stuff takes longer to set up, so you can get all the way around the drum and smooth out all those lines. I, I, the problem I was having with that water base is I would get halfway around the drum, and when I get back to the other half to kind of smooth it out, it already kind of set up, and I was getting so aggravated. I think uh, on the General Finishes has like a huge YouTube channel of like how to use all their stuff. Yeah. Um, I think those techniques work for anything else as well. I basically had to use water based in like 16 different ways, what applicators you're supposed to use. And I think. Oil based. And they might even tell you how to make it, you know, last longer. Yeah. But that, but you get into the weird like furniture, woodworking stuff that like. These, these are people who do this for a living. Yeah. And this is like a little. I like fun. the oil base. It, it goes on. Number one, it glides on smoother and it just, it doesn't set up so quite as, you know, it's quite as quick. So you can get all the way around the drum and then really start smoothing it out. So there's no lines, there's no blemishes. And I spent all night working with that water based stuff, getting more aggravated, caking it on, caking it on. After I got aggravated and just sanded it all off. Man, I did two coats of that oil-based Minwax, and it went on fine. No blemishes. Like, I might put another coat on later, but I think I'm probably going to leave it. You'll probably have to spray water base, honestly, to get it. Like, get it really smooth. Yeah. So, that would be my suggestion if you're going to do that. Just go get a regular yellow can of Minwax oil-based stain and go with it. It's super easy. And, you know, give you a little project to do. Um, before we move on, is anybody weighing in? Mike Malone says, I'm ready to vent about drum jerks on F on Facebook. Oh, we're groups. getting there, Mike. And drum Mike, forms. just get you some popcorn. Hop down into the chair. We are going to be getting there quite soon. There's no hate on the drum groups, but man, sometimes it's too much. And it really is. We're getting there. We're getting there. Everybody jo keep 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 tight. We got one more segment to get through and then we're going to be jumping straight into the yell fest. Uh Josh says thanks. The caps are Yingling and Linen Google. Nice. Two great brands. Yeah. And then he also says, thanks for sharing. No, that's cool, man. Thank you for yeah, sharing. Thank you. Thank for... you for sharing that stuff with us. Yeah. 
We love that kind of stuff. And don't, that's all and, me and him do. Yeah. Look what I did, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's half our messages back and forth. It's <laughs> like, it's all be in the middle, like watching an anime, and then Steven off the pause and Steven coming like a huge like laundress of all the crap he did to a drama <laughs> I'm going through. And, and it's like at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. This always happens. He's like, look, man, I want coat number 28. I'm like, that's cool. I'm going to get back to my movie. And then like five o'clock, I'm like, man, I'm knee deep in the third <laughs> coat of stain. Check this out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm eating. So we do the same thing. And that's what we want y'all to do with us yeah. is, you know, share your projects with us. So again, keep that in mind. If you got anything you want us to share, Beardedrums at gmail.com, and we'll uh, we'll put you on the show. I want to I wanna preface this before we continue. If you think it doesn't look good or you have any, like, hesitations about showing it to us, we're not going to be like, no. oh, like, this, this is dumb. No, no, no. Like, we're not going to do that. If anything, we'll have this, we have a huge group of guys that probably all do this to definitely have a pool of knowledge to be like, yeah, here's how you can improve if you're like, if you don't like the way this turned out or... You know, I mean, it's 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 more like Planet Fitness, but for drum nerds, there's no no judgment. And we all started somewhere, and we yeah. were all terrible. Jared can attest. We went over to Hughes on Wednesday to celebrate my birthday, and while we were there, I had him cut the edges for the shell, uh, the shell that I showed y'all earlier, which would have been, I think it's this one. So that little two and three quarter inch shell, I had Hugh cut the edges because he's the master, so he, I needed him to cut the bearing edges. Well, after all these snares have been made, cut out of that one big section of the marching snare, there was like a one-inch sliver left. Yeah. And that's the only thing I don't know how to do. I can cut snare beds. I can do stain. I can do poly. I can drill lugs. The only thing I can't do is cut a bearing edge. And Hugh, Hugh actually traded me his table a while back. So I have a proper jig set up to cut bearing edges. Well, he cut my edges just fine, and then I said, "Well, I need to. I gotta put my hands on it at some point. Yeah. I gotta, you know, I gotta break the ice." So we took this little last sliver, and like Jarrett was saying, don't be afraid to send in stuff because we all started somewhere and we all messed up stuff. And I put that little sliver on that routing table oh and butchered it. I chewed it up left and right. Hugh even tried to fix. Yeah. Not that it was u- it was it wasn't a usable. It was only like one inch worth of shell. Yeah. It wasn't usable, but he did try to go back and see if he could just fix what I did, and it was horrible. So my first time trying to run an edge went terribly wrong. Yeah. So like, if you ever decide to to <laughs> cut a bearing edge, don't do it on anything you like. Like Hugh told us whenever the first drum he got to use. Yeah. When back get an old crappy shell yeah. and start practicing on that. Because he did that on a brand new Pearl kit, and this was during the 90s. Yeah, and, he goes, and yeah, butchered it. it. The end of the guy, because I think he said it was like, what, 600 for that Tom or whatever? Yeah. He's like, yeah, so. So practice, if you're going to try to do that yourself, number one, practice, mm-hmm. or let Precision Drum Company do it. They cut edges left and right. It might be a little expensive, but it's worth it to have it done properly. But don't feel bad about anything you may or may not send into the show to be shown because I'll get that shell out one day and show y'all it looks terrible. And it smelled so bad. It's it horrible noises, smell bad, and I just butchered it. <laughs> but now I got my first terrible run out of the way. I just gotta find some, you know, terrible old shells that I can practice on yeah. and, and then get good at it. But that's why I had Hugh do that. So I didn't miss yeah. it. <laughs> So, anything else? That's it. Okay, cool. 
Um, any drum news you can think of or if your little clip that you may or may not want to uh, share with everybody? Um, so I'm a big fan of Anderson Pack. He's a, if anyone out here who's not in like the, the know of like current artists and because I'm not a big rap guy. Um, so Anderson Pack, he is a rapper but also plays drums when he does it. He has a group called the Free Radicals or Free Nationals. I can't remember. Killer drummer. Oh, he's um, phenomenal. And he does all the cool, like, neo-soul trip-hop beats, but he also sings and raps over top of it, which to me is already playing those beats locked in is hard enough, but you're actually now singing over top of him playing. It's rough. And so he has a new song. and the guy, He's got a new record coming out soon with him and Bruno Mars collabing. And I'm sure you've seen it because it's all over Instagram. It's all over YouTube. Every drummer's covering it. I think Mike Malone. And that's yeah. That's, did that's a my great. Okay. There and you that's go. my my segment is that I saw him setting you up, bro. Yeah, I saw Mike's, and I was like, cool. Well, one Mike is dope, so I was like, I'll I'll watch it. But he transcribes the entire tune lick for lick, note for note. Like it's not some like guy playing over top and puts his own little pizzazz like he did the whole transcriptions at the very bottom you can follow along because i've always wondered how to play there's that one fill that he does i've always wondered what the notation for it was i gotta figure it out he's got it notated out and it, it's right every sextuplet is done every eighth note rest it's all in there and that's what i thought was really cool and he's got like twenty five thousand views the last time i checked on it on his video good for him yeah i, I watched it i think minutes after it came out and it was a really good job. Like it sounded really good. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh I guess go ahead and plug his channel and let everybody know. Yeah, Mike Malone on YouTube. Yeah, I think all I did was cite uh if you just type in Mike Malone, you're gonna get a hundred hits. Yeah. Type in Mike Malone drums and you'll it'll take you to his channel and that's probably his most recent upload. Uh high quality, definitely check that out. I wish I had something to share today for um drum videos, but like you last week I've been covered yeah. in sawdust hunkered back in that drum i've been <laughs> living in my workshop lately so i have not been on instagram or youtube that much other than listening to podcasts while i'm doing all this yeah. work so but that's the one for the week go to mike malone drums on youtube check out his cover of anderson pox what's the name of the song uh uh, keep the door open or let the door. The, something about the doors open. Yeah, something uh, about the door. I can't, the door something. I, keep yeah, the it, door it's locked. It's the chorus, and I can't even think about it because all I can think of is like the bridge section out of it. Yeah, that's the. That's so go the check it out. Uh, good friend of the show and a really good drummer. I think you will enjoy that. So that wraps us up for everything. Now we can get into today's proper topic. Anybody weighing in on the chat before we jump into this? Nope, not monster yet. Discussion about to open up the. Floodgates of flame. The wars. floodgates shall open, um, and I got to remember all the points in my head. Like I know you got two or, th or three stories, and I got two or three stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting comfortable, and I'm already leaning back. Yeah, I'm about to buddy, because I'm so aggravated, man. So today's discussion is not going to be. I mean, it's not not positive, but it's not necessarily a positive discussion. No, it's it's probably a little bit of venting on mine and Jarrett's part and I'm pretty sure Mike is ready to vent as well. Yeah, he gave and me if you've ever had any experiences about, you know, about what we're going to be talking about, as usual, the chat is live and this the, the that's the funnest part is let yep. us know what's happened to you. Today we are talking about 
online, and I'm going to use the quotes a lot, and I'm doing it very sarcastically, online drum gurus and so-called on online drum experts. And this pertains to, like, Facebook groups, online drum forums. Teacher dudes. Teacher on dudes. You, on uh, Instagram commenteers. Just about every facet. I think I'm kind of leaning more towards, like, the gear aspect. That's been my negative uh, experience. I think yours is a little more blended as far as, like, the teachers and yeah, the gear. Yeah, um, a little bit of both. But... As we go through this conversation, please weigh in because I'm going to have Jarrett look at the comments pretty heavily so we can talk about this. But that's what we're, you know, you see it a lot online. These people that really, they find a little corner of the internet and they think they own it. Yeah. Whether it be a Facebook group or a, a, a small following on Instagram or a channel. Like that's the one thing I've always tried to do with this channel is you keep in mind, number one, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. I have misquoted the name of a drum set in the vintage drum video. I have gotten model numbers wrong. I think, I mean, everybody, obviously it's the cliche thing to say, but we're all human. So yeah. we're going to make mistakes. But when you see like, for me, when you see these guys that are so-called gear experts and a lot of the time that is in reference to vintage gear, yeah, you know, being wrong is one thing, but when you get attacked for it and almost talked down to, that's, I think, what spurred the conversation for me today. Yeah, because um, it's so you know, toxic. It's, yeah. Um, I don't know. Before we like get into the, the topic, what kind of spurred for you? Is it the gear side or is it more of like the teaching side? Or It's a little bit of both because it's, they're, they're, it's, it's both because they're both like – so like gear side first you do one thing wrong you make one small mistake are you even like ask a question that you know nothing about and you have a somewhat of an idea of what it is and you throw it out there i get it it's it's not, for some people it's their first day on the internet i used to be a jerk a long time ago but then i grew up you know and some folks are twice my age and they still act like i was when i was in high school playing call of duty and everything like I'd, it's like you you misnamed something. You got sixteen old dudes like yelling at you like, dear, dear, dear. That's not what it is. It's actually a FM fifty seven. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like my recent deal with that was on the the Gretsch uh, drum owners group. What's that on Facebook? On Facebook. So I, which before you even start, for me that's one of the I'm I'm off Facebook. Forever. Only reason I even keep my account active, even though I'm not like logged in or I don't have the app, is because of the Bearded Drums Facebook page. Yeah. Which Jared is now the admin of, and we'll get to that at the end of the show. But yeah. anyway, Facebook for me is the most toxic place. It really like, is. Toxic. Which obviously you're about to explain with your foray into the Gretsch Drum Owners group. Yeah. And. And out of some of the groups I'm like, I'm in, that one is normally, from what I've seen, is like, most guys in that one are pretty cool. They're pretty open. Nothing, you know, wild that I've ever seen. Now, granted, I've only been there not super long, but like m most of the time I ask, I've ever asked a question or someone asked something, you know, it normally comes off pretty well. And like I had one guy the other day was like, 
hey, I have this old round badge. The old super sensitive throw off is kind of worn down. Has anyone had luck with the new ones like I have? And one guy was like, I have it. The whole space is the exact same. It's going to be a perfect fit. You'll love it. I told him I have both an old one and a new one. Old one works fine, but the new one's got the locking part that we always love. Yeah. And it's super smooth, and it's... It, it, it's well, but a, that's, that's a helpful interaction. Yeah. Hey, guys, do you know of something that'll work? Yeah, here you go. Try this out. Hey, thanks, man. That's what the group's for. Yeah. But tell them about what happened to you. And then you had my situation. So I'm not super like up to date on all the new stuff because there's always something new coming out and it's constant and that's the one market i'm not the most familiar with is newer gear because normally i hold onto something for a while and then everything else surpasses it so i'm not quite sure what really the worth is you know i don't know about the older gear but anything new in the past like 10 years i'm you know not super up to it so i got that catalina uh from our friend hugh I traded my broadcaster in the same sizes, but he gave me back a bunch of snare drums, too, on top of it. So, you know, I was pleased with it. So I got another bop kit and a bunch of really cool old Slingerlands. And so Hugh took this kit. He loved the broadcaster snare that I traded to him, that I got back from him. And he made that broadcaster match that Catalina snare drum down to the... He touched up the edges. He widened the beds to match it. He put an internal muffler on it. And he has his own set of die cast tubes that he's had forever. And he loves die cast. So he took the 302s off that kit, gave them to me, and put his die cast on. And I was like, that's cool with me. So I got this basically brand new Catalina. Hugh touched Catalina up, Club. Catalina the Club. The little 18, 12, 14. Hugh got bored, touched up all the edges because th- that kit's from China. So it's not going to be like the best edges. Yeah. So Hugh touched them all up, got everything smooth, they're right, they're even, he's got a granite countertop, he makes sure everything's flat when he does anything. And so the edges are all redone, the snare drum matches broadcaster specs up down to besides the wood part, but anything else though, he matched it up. It's all got 302 hoops on it. I put new heads on it, I've only played them a, a couple of times, but all the heads are brand new. I mean, Code Ambassadors, a fiber skin, a P3 clear, that's what I play on everything. So that kit is, you know... In impeccable condition. Well, it's basically been hot rotted out. Yeah. He took a Catalina club, he souped up the edges, he improved the hoops, he made the stock snare basically a broadcaster. Yeah, and that's that's a killer snare drum, too. Yeah, especially for a stock snare. You know how we kind of feel about stock, stock snares around here. So he basically, like, really, like, honestly, not just trying to, for, to get more money when you resell it, he really did hot rod that yeah. little Catalina club and make it. Like super nice. Yeah, and so I pose the question: Well, what's it? What's the worth of it? What's the value I could possibly get out of it? Because it's practically brand new. Anything from the factory that was wrong, Hughes fixed, and it's got at least a hundred and eighty dollars in hoops alone that are brand new. And then I had dudes in the comments like, I was like. Eight hundred. It's basically brand new. The kit new is yeah, seven. Yeah, what is a brand new one? Seven hundred. Six ninety nine. Yeah, six ninety nine. So you figure another hundred dollars, which is on the low end. Yeah. For all the work that's been done and the nicer hoops. Yeah, I was like eight hundred dollars. You know, we'll go from there. And then all these guys are like, the market's super flooded. You shouldn't ask anything above five. How dare you? Yeah, it's like you lose all the value because it was touched unless someone really likes it. But one plus, I can't tell you, and if I hear it one more time, I'm going to scream. Don't ever expect to get out of it what you put into it. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you were just swapping something, you bought it, you played it, you got rid of it. Yeah, that does apply. Yeah. But when you put work into something and actually literally do improve it, yeah, I think that's that's worth something. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, I you know I posed it, and then I had to think one dude who didn't come off as a jerk out of the, all those comments. He was like, "Hey," he's like. Here's what I think it could be. He's like, I'd say 500 considering one, the market's kind of flooded with Catalinas. And I looked up on Reverb and stuff. There's not a lot of Catalinas on there. And most of them are the really old one or it's the elite models yeah. from like 2002 or whatever. But none of the really newer ones. And all the ones that are new are asking a little bit less from what the original bot price is or, or price you would pay at. But this one's got all this work done to it. So I figured that would add some value. I mean, considering that the guys that I know who do drum work, Swindle only charges a hundred dollars for you to do your edges, so that's one hundred dollars there. And then all those hoops, that's uh, one twenty. And then Hugh redid the snare beds on that snare drum, which I would probably say would cost like fifty to one hundred dollars yeah, from them. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, two and a half, three, three hundred dollars in just work alone yeah. and hardware to, to the to that kit to make it, you know, actually like a like solid. Above you know the rest of the line, and just getting like yelled at for it. I'm like, all I asked was a, an opinion, not well, that's for the you. Point to, is all you asked was a question. Is a you question. didn't say this is the value. Yeah, this is what I'm gonna get for it, and all y'all be damned. Like you said, you were just like in most cases, like I'm just looking for guidance. Yeah, and then you get booty stomped because you dared to ask a question to what we're talking about. All these guys that own that corner of the internet that think they are the end-all, be-all kind of last word on what Gretsch is worth, especially new Gretsch. Yeah. Um, which I, you know, I totally disagree with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that's a way to... I would I would imagine... I don't know why the moderator didn't step in or the group admin and be like, you know, guys, maybe lighten up on him. There's probably so much that goes on that it's hard for them to keep up everything unless someone, like calls for an admin to show up so they can read them and go admin please and that guy will probably look in that particular section and be like okay you guys are being a bunch of a-holes let's strike you from the list but like yeah well and i mean it, it, that's if that was my, if that was my first foray into dealing with online forums and stuff i, I it would put a sour taste in my mouth i mean yeah. we both have worked around it enough to we kind of know that but any other person would probably get turned off instantly and not be looking for any more online help Yeah, if that was their first experience. Like, I even saw a guy even, like, apologize and then thank everyone in one of those groups. Like, hey, guys, this is a very toxic space for the guys who were here and helped me. Thank you. I'm appreciative of it. Yeah. And then the comment section is what the guy just talked about. Guy's like... Must be your first day on the internet. Look at you being yeah, a little, bro. I own like, so many round badges. I'm the king of round badge hill. Like, like all these dudes own like fifty snare drums. Probably don't play it, and nothing against them. Probably not the best of players, but think they have the authority over everyone else to be like, you're wrong. Here's why. Well, like, but it, it put, even putting that aside, like I really give a crap about how good of a player you are, but because you own ten round badge snares, does not make you. The end all be all last word on round badge snares. Yeah, just because you own, you know, all this, it doesn't make you Fred Gretsch himself. Yeah, you like, didn't build it. All you did was buy it. It might have taken you a while to find your stuff, but I mean, I've got a nice little collection of Ludwig. You don't hear me barking on the internet telling people, 
no, that's got to be a downbeat. That's not a club. Like, it's not yeah. your place. In most cases, these people are looking for help, which is what you were doing. Yeah. Like, I had one guy argue with me privately, like, sent me messages going, that's not a club date. I go, no, what is it then? It's like, because I looked in the stamps, it's like, it's a that gold kit of yeah, yours. it's a club date. Yeah, and I was like, it's a club date. The stamps are like 1963 or four. I can't yeah. remember because it's smudged. Those, you know, all those stamps get. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone doesn't ever seen an or own an old vintage Ludwig, on the inside of all the shells, there's a red stamp against that whitewash. If it has the whitewash in it, and after a while, they get kind of faded from moisture, sweat, blood, whatever, from playing, and it gets a little smeared. And they're not like the the most end all be all stamps. Not like everyone else has like paper tags or something. It's like it's just a a stamp they put on the drum and it gets shipped. So it's kind of smudged, and I was like, hey, this is a club date. I'm not sure, you know, about it. it was like, was nickel hardware standard, or what's the deal with it? Because I remember the story that you told me from what Hugh explained to us, mm-hmm. and then one guy was like, oh, actually, the reason why they did that was to cut on costs. It's like, so if you wanted to have the chrome, it was an upcharge um, from the factory. It's like, but if you wanted to keep it, you know, cheaper, you would get just nickel-plated was, like, the way to go because apparently chrome was more expensive back then. Well, yeah, keep it, yeah, but I say keep yeah. in mind back in the 40s or 50s, like, chrome was not standard. That was an upgrade. Yeah. And it wasn't until later on that you see in the catalogs where they actually start saying, and all of our drums now come with chrome. Yeah. So that wasn't always a thing. That was definitely an upgrade. Um, but, yeah, that's a club date. Yeah. I mean, besides that, what else could it be? Yeah, it's, it's center-mounted lugs. It's across- center lugs. Consulate rail, symbol mount, 2012-14. What else could it be? There's not anything yeah. else it could be. It's a club date. He like went back and forth with me. I was like, man, if you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. It's and does like, it matter either way? No. I'm keeping the kit. I yeah. was just curious about the history of it. We're not to... at Christie's, and I'm not banging the gavel trying to get bids in on this thing. Like, yeah. Usually, you know, like I said, like you said, you're keeping it, so it doesn't really matter what you think or if you agree with me. I was just trying to get some help maybe to find dated or, you know, figure out why this one little thing is different. Yeah, like I didn't know about the edges and, like, the whole thing. And then one guy was like, oh, yeah, he's like, that's cool. You got a, a kit that's got that on it. And so he explained to me, he's like, the, the outer uh, finish on those drums for whichever finish you got, the drum shell configure the shell, the shell composition was different. He's like, well, since you have one with the wrap, the outside's popular because it takes glue better, and that keeps the scarf joint tight. He goes, if you got just the satin version, just a, a stain on the outside, the outside's actually maple instead of poplar, so it holds the stain in better for the comeback. I didn't know that. There was the difference between those two yeah, kits. Yeah, who's going to know that? Yeah, I didn't know it would be a whole different wood for the outside veneer for it to adhere to the wrap. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool. He's like, yeah, man, you got a cool little bit going on there. You can watch the scarf joint, and that's why your kit's the way it is. He goes, I have the exact same one, but mine's maple instead of popular like yours. I'm like, dope. Thanks, man. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Or a gun reverb got mad at me because I put the wrong finish for those standards. I thought it was uh, amber or whatever. He goes, actually, it's gold is what you have. He's like, just update your listing. Well, like, come um, on. And I've noticed it with YouTube comments. Running the channel, you have to become tough and thick-skinned about that. Just keep this in mind. If you ever get yelled at online or somebody thrashes you in the comments, 99.9% of the time, it's because they are having a terrible day and you are the focus of their anger or they are just a crap person in general. And again, you are just the focus of their anger. Usually now when I get a bad comment, I can just instantly go, 
oh, this is you. This isn't me. Yeah. You're projecting onto me. It's not me. It is totally you. So don't feel bad if you ever get thrashed because at the end of the day, they're just a keyboard warrior on the end of a screen and it's very easy to yell at somebody as opposed to being right here and me having to yell at him. That's completely different. Because I doubt any of those people would say that, especially to our faces. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. You have to hide behind a screen and you can project to me what you think you are. Yeah. But it's like if you came to my house and saw the stuff I had, you'd be like, well, this kid knows a little bit of something. but like A little, at least enough of working knowledge. Yeah, enough. And then I doubt they saw me in person. Like They would square up to me and be like, that's not right, but like, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> say it with your chest. I mean, I'm not the most intimidating guy, but I, I can be under the right circumstance and the right mood lighting. And you caught me That's at right. you caught me at the juke at three o'clock in the morning, you probably wouldn't ask me. <laughs> you know, but if we're at work, it'd be a whole, whole hi, how are you doing? Welcome to Golden Nugget. You know, it'd be one of those <laughs> nice, how are you, how you doing? But like just, just another I, toxic episode. Yeah, like you know? I I don't understand like what would make someone just do that. I mean, They're like having a bad day, or th- are you jealous? Just say what well, you or, wish, or then... they never got to do anything themselves, so all they can do is sit on their perch online and talk down to everybody. You know, like I, like I said, I don't think it's really about whether you're a good player or not, but if you are that kind of guy that doesn't get to play, unfortunately, everybody doesn't get to play out live. Yeah, and get to play with people. And if maybe you have a massive collection or a massive knowledge and the only out you have is is to sit on your soapbox on a Facebook group or YouTube and just thrash in the comments, that's all you're going to do because that's the only reach you have, you know. And like I said, it's usually telling of the person, you know. Every time I've gotten a negative comment, it's very telling of the person that makes the negative comment because there's a very tactful way to say, well, yeah, you know, I like the video and all, but you were wrong about this, and this is what it is, just so you'll know. Yeah. Totally cool. As opposed to, you big idiot, I can't believe you didn't know that that was a downbeat. You kept calling it a club day. That's a downbeat. Like, how could you be so stupid to to think? It's like, oh, I'm sorry that I don't have every catalog in front of me so I can date a 1957 blah, 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 you know, by the split lugs versus the center lugs, whatever it is. Yeah. There's a tactful way to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's... an. And there's so, and everybody has everything named different. So unless you are specifically loyal to one group, it's like, and we're out here going across different brands from different eras and everything else. It's like, so sometimes stuff gets a little confusing. I still confuse the old World War II kits, the Defender, the Bomber. Yeah. The Avenger, I don't can't remember what the, they're all I don't, called. I don't even yeah, remember. and then I mean it's like, and that's from three different companies from a very weird time when everything yeah. also had weird names. I mean, I was complaining about last week with Gretsch has sixteen different looking badges. I mean, yeah. that's and we're looking at stuff online because I like a lot of stuff besides just one thing. It's like and it's there's a whole lot. I don't think people ever realize like the breadth of all the product lines for everyone that's in there. There's so much, and then you get into different eras. Someone owned this, and someone owned yeah. that. Yeah, you know, just, uh, you, it, it could be wide enough just in the modern stuff, and then you go, well, add the vintage thing on top of it. And yeah. Like, oh, well, you just added 15 more badges. The stuff that was made during the war when they couldn't get metal. Yep. The stuff that was made pretty, you know, it's just, it's just so much, you know, to kind of take in. So I don't think there's other than like Bunny Carlos yeah. or Fred Gretsch 
or you know any of the guys that are like literally famous collectors yeah they probably know all the answers but even the guy yelling at you online he doesn't know you could stump him on something yeah so don't be acting like you're the only one that's ever bought a round badge in your life it's yeah. not you know it doesn't make you any cooler you know we've talked about it before gear is important but at the same time gear is not important so it yeah. doesn't really matter and you can almost like to me I don't like Sam, but you can you can pick out which guy it is, and you can almost like just give them their name. I can almost describe them to you. It's probably a lot of my marketing degree showing, like because you have to know who your target market is. Like you should be able to touch them. Yeah, and it's like they're probably some old white dude, kind of plays okay, not really, a little grumpy, very yeah, grumpy, probably slightly disheveled look, has polished those rims so much that he's wiped the chrome off of them. Yeah. Like, you know, won't let you touch the drum, but he can play it. Yeah. That kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. You yeah. Know? And then those are the guys that are just, being... which I'll, you know, I'll get to that. That's kind of my point for what I'm about to speak on. Um, but I'll let you, uh, uh, is there anybody that has got some counterpoints for us or, or anything in the chat? Yeah. I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what y'all have to say. Yeah. So, uh, David says I'm late. Wait, hey, is that super? super yeah. So pregnant. Okay. Goes, this is straight from you, me to you, David. Number one, glad you're here as always. I need you to send me an email. Whether it's about that bass drum or not, doesn't matter. I just need to get your email. Send me something, just even emoji, if you like you flipping me off, just so I have your email address because I want to try to get you in touch with Hugh about some of those paintings. So remember to do that. Whether it's about the bass drum or not is, is neither here nor there. Just send me an email at beardedrums uh, at gmail.com so we can kind of get that working for you. Yeah. But anyway, what was he saying? All right, he says, hey, Stephen, I haven't, uh, haven't forgot about you. We'll get a hold of you soon about the drum. But mostly about the painting. You just answered my question. Yeah. Um, Mike Malone says, if you mod your drums, just don't ever share what you did in a brand-specific group forum. Just bad news all around. It really, it's... Because he, he was telling me... Uh, earlier this week about something he did. It's going to be a bad yeah, it's time. It's going to be a bad time. <laughs> like it, he's not lying. It's it's so dumb. Um, and then Doc Momo says hello. And then Mike says all those jerks on those groups probably kept all their toys and original packaging as a kid to not mess with the value. You're probably never right. played with Darth Vader. Left it in the box. Never took him out and went. Like you never, I know people like that, and I do get the the, the yeah. I got to sell it for twenty thousand dollars because it was never open, but you never got to play with it. Yeah, you never got to enjoy the thing. I I, I really don't. I don't get it. Um, I mm, just before I met you, say about six seven years ago, when I was in the height of acquiring pieces from Hugh, I would get the cool. Oh, this is a duplex. This and that. Oh, this is a cloud badge. Slingerland solid ply or this is a and I would put it up on that shelf and go isn't it the coolest thing in the world and if you were here you would probably be like well can we play it and I'd be like no and that is in retrospect the stupidest thing ever point being I'm about to take a more than 120-year-old snare drum, which probably belongs in a museum. Yeah. It's got freaking hand-painted. Let me uh, get my little picture back up here. It has hand-painted. Uh, where's my picture? Snare 16. It has hand-painted. You can see it there. Rims. Like some dude 
took the time, or lady, took the time to hand paint all that scroll work on that. And it is probably a museum piece, probably deserves to be in an airtight box with some dude with white gloves going, well, this is one of the first versions of what is known as a... Like, but what am I going to do with it? I'm going to go get a Gibraltar butt plate and throw off, and I'm going to drill into the side of this baby, and I'm going to put those A&F 16-inch snares on it, and we're going to take it to the juke joint, and in the midst of all the beer and chicken wings, we're going to beat the crap out of it. Yeah. Like, I am of the complete other thought process on that. Like, if you have it... You had be- unless unless it's like you know that if you kept it in museum quality and it was going to be worth thirty thousand dollars, okay, yeah, put it in the case and blah blah blah. But like thirties Ludwig, thirties Ludwig Pioneer, sixties Ludwig Jazz Fest in the bag, fifty eight Ludwig uh, Pioneer wooden. I play every last one of them, and the thirties Ludwig on the end, I drilled out and put a modern butt plate on it because I don't want those old school cord snare wires yeah i will play anything i don't care how old your corrope 1920 symbol is put it on the stand and let's hit it like i'm i'm of the complete other opinion now with the few exceptions you should be playing those drums now what is the point of being a drummer and us lusting over all of this gear if you don't get to play it like that's saying oh i finally got a noble and cooley solid ply snare that i paid eighteen hundred dollars for but i won't take it out and play it like, even Hugh takes his white Marine Pearl Gretsch, what are those, broadcasters? Yeah. To his jazz gig, and that's a USA-made Gretsch kit. <laughs> Granted, I might not take it to the beach at Felix's and let the salt air eat the chrome up. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, let's play it. You've been always good about, yeah, play it. Like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And to sit there and from your perch of the internet and say, well, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. <laughs> It kind of comes down to, do you like the way it sounds? Well, then go play it. You know, that's kind of how I, you know, I kind of feel about that bef- before I get into my yeah. little story. Um, And then David said, what I find most upsetting on YouTube is when a young person does a video about their new kit. They're proud of their new purchase and these idiots eat the kit alive. It's when you see that. That is just annoying. Like, you see, so like one of some of my favorite videos are from dudes who aren't even from here. Like, there's one this kid's playing like an old beat up. It's got the classic like super old pinstripe heads, covered in tape. Everything's dusty. There's no bottom heads on anything. He's playing with his dad. His dad's blind. His dad plays guitar, and they're killing it on the street. Like that's cool. And then you see the other comment like. Why can't you just get this? It's like, I don't know. Probably because they can't afford it, and this is all he can get. Or the guys that make drum kits out of bits of metal and stuff, and they're, like, super proud of it. They're like, well, you should just get one of these. It's like, well, what if you can't get it? And it's like, why are you being such a jerk about it? And it's like, Yeah, I mean, every everybody can't afford. I'm, I count myself very lucky because, especially lately, like, I've been consuming gear like a monster. But why? Because I'm also listing, like, 20 different things on ebay yeah so as i get one sold i get a new like it's it basically takes me two sabians have to sell on ebay to get a brand new symbol and i keep my stuff in good condition yep it's all aax and above there's no b8 pro or anything like that i have to basically sell two sabians to get one of the new istanbul's which i'm okay with i yeah. got to use it i got you know everybody can't afford that i remember there was a video of a kid he couldn't have been 14 years old and he got that 
terrible Pearl Casey Cooper snare, the yeah. igniter, which I'm sorry to let people know that igniter snare is a stock snare. Like that's the snare that comes with the vision kit and they wrapped it in that flame, that awful flame wrap. And it was probably just so they could put something on or rather they something they could just put Casey's name on because yeah. it's so big on the Internet and they'll sell it just because his name's on it. Well, anyway, the kid had the snare and he's like 15, 16 years old. And I'll admit he was terrible. The video was terrible. The audio was terrible. He was a terrible player. Not even a player. He was just a kid. And all he had, he had the snare drum on a stand out in front of his house, and he was trying to do a review. Yeah. You know, so he's like hitting it, and he's talking about it. And then it wasn't a very long video. And like I said, even watching it, I'm going, well, this is pretty bad. But everybody's trashing him in the comments. So I, I made it a point to get on the comments and go, hey, man, love your video. The, and like I said, it's not really about what I think. The kid was super excited about the snare. He loved it. Yeah. It was tuned like crap. But did, does that matter? I don't like the way you tune snare drums. No. Does that matter? He was elated with this snare drum. So I wrote, hey, man, great video. Love the review. And the main thing was, I'm really glad that you are loving your snare drum. And I hope that that made his day because everybody else was like, oh, well, you didn't you didn't show it off correctly and that's not a very good snare drum and it doesn't really matter that the snare drum literally is a piece of crap yeah the kid was super happy about it and we all know what it's like to get a new cymbal or a new snare drum it makes you happy it gives you a little inspiration to play a little more and that's the best thing about it so that they should have just let that kid have his moment yeah and go hey man this is some young guy just really happy with his snare let him enjoy it. You yeah. know, it doesn't cost you anything to go. Great job, man. You don't have to weigh in and go, well, it's only poplar and that's kind of crap compared to maple or, you know, like yeah, that you don't have to do that. And my rebuttal was like, will you show me what is right? Then you get on your little phone. I don't care if it's, you even send it just to me personally. I want to see your rebuttal to whatever it is. Why is it bad? Well, you show me what you do to your drums. I do that all the time. Having this YouTube channel, the one thing that I always run through my mind when somebody tries to be negative, and if you ever put anything on the internet, a video on Instagram or a video on YouTube, and somebody tries to thrash you about it, comment back and be like, where's your channel? Did you have the guts to put yourself on Front Street? Because that's the biggest part of it is like you're putting yourself out. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. Yeah. So all the dumb stuff that I do on this channel and that we do on this live stream, it's in the books. It's going to be there forever. You can so, cite your sources. We're you, here. Yeah. My point would be, where's your camera? And where? when are you going to talk about your opinion on it? At least we are brave enough to share our opinions. Yeah. You know, right or wrong, it's just an opinion. But when you put your video up, then you can rebut, in my opinion. Until yeah. then, I don't really want to hear it. You know, that's just that's just mine. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Charlie Smith says forums can be a minefield. A perfect example in a symbol forum, a guy showing off his favorite 60s hats. I compliment him, and he starts throwing abuse at me and calling me an inept critic. Go figure. Uh, you're going to have to give me some more explanation on yeah. that in the, in the chat. Like, you literally gave him a comment, and he came back at you, like a clapback. Just, that makes, like, why? I would have gone off on somebody and be like, did you not hear me, stupid? I gave you a compliment. Yeah. And you're going to come back at me? 
Like I've never had that happen, like a complete one eighty. But I would go off on somebody. I'm t- I, I I don't do that online, but I would. I would pull out all the stops and be like, "Excuse me." Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. If you get a sec, please give us some more. Uh, come back into the chat and let us know yeah. the specifics on that one. Because that is that's <laughs> wild that anyone would ever say that. So, like, out of all the gear stuff, that's that's you know kind of where I sit is with all that, and you know that I also like to deal with all the educational side, all the. Like, let's break down what it is to do this. Well, before we get into education, let me tell a uh, a gear story. Oh, but the the one you've told me about, yeah. the yeah. six dudes, whatever. Then, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, are we caught up on the chat? Yeah, we're caught up. Um, the six dudes. Yeah, it's like the same ten dudes in their little corner. Oh, that no. There's two stories. So the first one is I've y'all seen them. You've seen the the episodes like two or three episodes ago. I got that single tension Ludwig 13 inch 1930s Junior Orchestra. And about two weeks later, I picked up a 13 inch Ludwig Tango model. And I don't have any pictures. And actually, if you're wondering why there's not an episode tomorrow, it's because I mistakenly didn't think about it the drum i traded hugh for this drum was the drum i was doing the episode on tomorrow (laughs) so if i can scrounge a little short episode together for what i have on that drum i will but anyway both of those drums are like anything from the 20s or 30s they have those crap cord snares on them which is like a little piece of is it like leather or like old weird plastic that holds it in on the end? I think it's like there's an no old butt plate, plastic. so you can't like really screw them in. They just kind of pull against the the rim. And I when I get drums in like those, I immediately just go find a butt plate, drill it into the side of the drum, where you can put real snares on it and make it a player. Like I said, I play all the drums. Yeah, I don't care what it is. If it doesn't have a butt plate, and Gene Krupa owned it, guess what, Gene? I'm drilling into that drum, and I'm going to put snares on it, and we're going to Gene Krupa till 3 o'clock in the morning, but with real snares. So I, the second drum, the wood-hooped 13-inch Ludwig Tango from the 30s, I got onto drumforum.org, which is the biggest online forum for drums. Yeah. Super, I'm not dogging the site. They are super helpful. If you have a question about trying to figure out what a Gretsch is or a Ludwig is or what this is Ilgen is, that is the place to go. So it was very easy for me to, for, to figure out what the first Ludwig I got was. It was the 30s Ludwig Jr. Orchestra model. The second one with the wood hoops was a little harder to pinpoint. I could pinpoint the date by the badge. It was 30s. But there are a billion drums in that era that are wood shelled with wood hooped. And it's like 13 to 16 inches they made models in. And they all look the same. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was a junior orchestra, if it was a tango model, if it was the thumb screw model. So I got in, I created myself an account on drumform.org and I asked the simple question with like six pictures. Hey guys, I figured out the date, but can y'all help me, you know, identify what the model is. And I even put it in the title. Is it a tango? Is it a junior orchestra? Is it a thumb screw? And the very first comment was from the guy that's like in charge of drumform.org. Obviously a real guru. I'm not putting up the quotes because he really is a expert. And he goes, oh, simple. It's a 1930s Ludwig Tango model. And because I put in my description, I was like, I can't find this specific size. And he put 1930s Ludwig Tango model. He said they made them in 13 to like 15 or 16 inches. So that would fit perfectly. It's a 13 inch. That was what they made those in. And I was like, cool, awesome. 
and then another guy came below him in a comment, and all he said was, sweet drum. Awesome. Thank you very much. And then the last comment was a gold member on the forum, yeah. which obviously means he spends too much time on there. And all he could say, because in the picture, I showed that I had drilled a butt plate, a Ludwig butt plate, granted. Yeah. It wasn't an old Ludwig butt plate, but it was a Ludwig butt plate on a vintage Ludwig drum just so I could make it an actual player drum. And all he could say was, uh, it's 19... 30s, whatever, but RIP on the collectible value. Hate that you drilled into it. Like, did I ask you? <laughs> Am I on this site trying to sell this drum? Am I trying to pawn it off on anybody? I was very clear that this is a, a vintage piece that I wanted to play out. Like, yep, for reals. Like, at a club. Not at the open jam. Not at your buddy's house on Saturday night. I wanted to be able to play this drum out. And all he could say was, well, RIP on the collectible value. <laughs> I didn't ask for your opinion on that. I wanted to know what the drum was. Yeah. And that kind of goes to that he's a gold member on the drumform.org. So he's got his little corner that he thinks he owns and thinks he can talk down to me, which I don't care, dude. Again, I would pose the question, where's your channel at? Where's your podcast at? Where's your daily blog at talking about drums? Do you do anything other than offer negative advice? Probably not. Yeah. You know, and then kind of to speak to what you were mentioning earlier, I was on, I think it was just called like drummers of Facebook and it was just an open drum group. Yeah. And, uh, I noticed very quickly if you weren't part of the 10 guys that basically owned that group, I say owned, but like, you know, we're the, we're the high traffic guys. If you posted anything, you would get no comments and you would get maybe like one or two likes. Um, maybe a comment on, Oh, good job or good video. But if you were one of those 10 that were in the little cool group, you would get all these likes, all these comments, all this kind of going back and forth. So basically at the end of it, I was like, so wait, this is not really a Facebook drummers group of 6,000 people. This is a Facebook drummers group of 10 dudes. And if you're not one of those 10 dudes, they really don't care. Yeah. Which consequently, uh, you know, I, I got off that group and was like, I don't need this. Yeah. You know, it wasn't necessarily negative, but like I said, it was really just to show off these same 10 guys that kind of had control of that group. And if you weren't one of those guys, they didn't really care what you thought. Yeah. You know, negative or positive. So that's my issue with like a lot of the online space. Um, if you're going to be there to offer advice, yes, let your expertise be known. But and I'm talking directly to anybody that's like this, that's watching, watching right now. I'm looking directly at you in the camera. You don't own the Internet and you don't own Gretsch. You don't own Ludwig and you don't own Zildjian. You don't own Premier and you don't own Rogers. Nobody cares that you have 16 matching 1940s black beauties. I don't care. All I want you to do is help the people out when they ask questions, give your advice when needed, and kind of keep that negative stuff to yourself. Now, granted, that's never going to happen. The Internet is just a negative place. Yeah. But I don't care what you think. And, you know, in the, in this, these communities are growing now enough. And one thing I do like about this is, there's a lot of guys between my and your age, so say from 40 to 25, that are really heavily getting into vintage drums. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my other piece of advice for the super older guys that are super grumpy and think that they own all these trademarks, you better watch out because here in the next couple of decades, you're going to get pushed out of the loop by all the people between my and his age that finally do gain enough knowledge to be experts themselves. And then we don't need your grumpy old man attitude versus, you know, a lot of younger guys tend to be a little more helpful. Yeah. And, and it, everything is already like, bad enough going on around everything yeah i mean i mean why why would you want to have negativity in all this toxicity when you come to a place that's supposed to be like here's your one little outlet where you can like have fun converse meet people do things you know that you're all like in the like mind you would think like-minded yeah. said and then like, oh, I like this. This guy likes the same thing I like. Well, maybe he has something cool, and then you can trade, and you yeah. share information, you're having fun. It's how we became friends, you know? And then you go in your little, like, safe space. You would hope, you know, this is your little area of, like, of, like I can be me here. Yeah. And then you do it, and all these guys that you would think would kind of be the same mindset just dog you down. like. Well, and I think it's for them. It's because, in, and this is, like, a lot of the <laughs> internet wider than what we're talking about in most cases those kinds of people are just looking for an echo chamber as long as you're agreeing with exactly what i say and say right back to me what i said to you then they're cool you say something like oh well, i think blue and olive badges for ludwigs are better than keystones then they blow up all of a sudden and become the grumpy old man that thinks that they know the end all be all when yeah. there might be guys that prefer stop sign badge gretches to round badge you know, that's not the typical popular opinion, but who's to say what's really better? Yeah. You like Zildjian, I like Istanbul, or even a year ago, you like Zildjian, I like Sabian. That doesn't make one of them better than the other. It just means that's what you like and this is what I like. Yeah. And I'm not going to go, I've never said, well, Zildjian sucks. They don't. Yeah. And you've never said Sabian sucks because they don't. You can't say anything like that, and nor would I say. I mean, I joke with Jared all the time and saying Ludwig's better than Gretsch because it is. But in <laughs> in all seriousness, that's like two of the most iconic drum brands. Neither one is better. No, they sound completely different. You find yeah. a '60s Brown Badge versus a '60s Keystone Ludwig, they don't even sound the same. So to say that one is better than the other, it's not even a fair comparison. Yeah, it's comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, or like, well, they're all better than Slingerland. Why? Gene Krupa played Slingerland. What makes Slingerland so bad? Buddy Rich played Slingerland for a minute. Do you, you mean know, well, Buddy Rich played oh, everyone? Well, well, okay, you're right, but then that's because they're all better than Premier. Premier's awesome. There's premiere stuff from the, the 60s and 70s that's killed. Like, don't feel that your opinion, even if you're very strong about it, doesn't make you right. Yeah. You know, and that's what I've tried to make sure we do here and I do in my videos. I don't push my opinion on anybody. I usually say, well, if you feel this way, let me know in the comments. Or like we say in this live stream all the time, if you want to call us flat out idiots for what we're saying right now, Say it. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that I'm going to get mad at you. I've learned with the YouTube channel over three years that you got to be thick skinned about this stuff. And that's probably why a lot of these guys come off, come off so grumpy and defensive is they don't have very thick skin. Yeah. And they're usually not used to somebody disagreeing with them. I, I would agree with that. You know, um, but I mean, is anybody yeah. disagreeing with us? Nazi. So Charlie goes, Absolutely. He was playing them technically upside down, which is cool with me. 
Gad, Steve Gad-esque. But he just went on the offensive right away. Um, goes away from that story though. Loving the podcast, the perfect accompaniment to writing an upcoming blog post for my website. I bought a DW Craviato in case you guys are wondering. At well past one a.m. UK time. Whoa, dude! I am on the hunt. Let me catch somebody with a solid shell snare for forty-eight months financing, and I will pull the trigger. And I was on. Jarrett knows I really want. A Noble and Cooley. But it seems like Noble and Cooley does not sell to anybody big enough where they have like a big financing plan. So I just, I got on Sweetwater and I started looking around. And A&F, as expensive as it is, and as much as I really would never pay that much, at 48 months, that's like 16 bucks a month. I can handle that. But they don't offer anything solid ply. Yeah. And then I saw in the list... Craviota was listed. And I was like, oh, buddy. And that's all solid shell stuff. Yep. And I found a couple I liked, and it would have been like $17 a month, and they weren't in stock. They did have two in stock. It just wasn't the ones. I think one was like a seven, which I wouldn't buy. If I was going to buy a solid ply, it would probably be a five and a half. The more traditional. Yeah, I wouldn't get a weird, because that's a big enough purchase. But I'm with you, my friend. Craviota, Noble and Cooley. Um, who else does um, solid ply? Currently? Yeah. Done it will do yeah. a solid ply. I think he calls it a mono ply. Yeah. Um, I'm myself on a hunt for the Ferrari, so to speak, of snare drum. So very excited for you, my friend, to pick and yourself he's got up a Craviotto. He's got the DW Craviotto. So if I'm not mistaken with that, he'll probably correct me. I believe that those are from the '90s. I think when Johnny was getting hardware from them, yeah, and they're either he was getting hardware from them or Johnny was giving them shells for their yeah, yeah. drums. Because that's that's the one thing I always get hung up on. Because I watch Steve, not uh, Steve Maxwell, because he talks a lot about Johnny uh, a lot from Craviato, like in the the process and building all this stuff, and because he has like his own little small collection of Craviatos from Johnny that he worked on and did stuff with him. That's kind of one of the cool things, I guess, about Craviato as a whole is Johnny was kind of friends with everyone, and everyone's got their own little thing that they did with Johnny. Like, John Good's got his thing, but Steve Maxwell's got his well, thing. Well, cool. He was never selfish. He, not, yeah. he never said, well, I'm only going to work with DW, you know, or I'm only going to work with Ludwig. I'm only going to make stuff like that's cool to spread it around. And everybody kind of gets a taste of because he's, you know, obviously legendary as far as building stuff like that. So, you know, uh, I think that's cool that he kind of spread it around. Yeah, because there's because I think Steve has like two snare drums that are all uh, loaded out with Ludwig hardware that Johnny did. And then there's another one. Um, that's all uh, DW stuff. So I think it's really cool uh, about that. And then let's see. So that's from Charlie. And then Mike says, I got called out for having something wrong on a on the Gretsch group by Diane Gretsch. So she kind of owns it, but that's the one time it's okay. Also, I wasn't mad. More flattered. She took the time to comment and clarify, and she wasn't rude. Well, that is super dope that one of the ladies herself helped you and wasn't being a jerk about it. Well, but also if there, if there is anybody that can do that, 
That's kind of what yeah. I'm saying. Her last name is Gretch. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. But also, being that she is obviously a professional and you know, working in a company like that has a little, I don't know, class. Yeah. You, she did what you said. She was nice about it, let you know what the proper information was, but didn't feel like it was like, hey, how are you going to come up in Gretchtown and be talking all like, you know, she let you know, obviously, what needed to be corrected. But like you said, she was nice about it. Like when I had my little run in with the Zildjian lady. Yeah. She was super cool about it. You know, those people know how to handle that kind of stuff. So, but I, I, you know, that's, that's funny that he actually got, got it <laughs> with the Grinch lady. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, see David Bygum says, I don't know why people have to be snobby and stuff when it comes to opinions and should be more about bonding with why we chose to play drums instead of making an uncomfortable environment to be open in. And I agree with you on that. Cause it's, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, it's just, if you hear crinkling, it's because I'm opening cans. That's why I'm laughing because he has a little stash next to the mixer. He keeps. You don't see it. Like I don't think y'all realize it. Uh, when I do this and flip to Jared, I'm eating candy. So if you hear this, that's what I'm doing. That's, Sorry, that's Jared. No, you're fine. I'm not with you, David. It doesn't make sense to make it so uncomfortable. Um, Charlie Smith got to be a five and a half. For a solid shell for me. Yep, two th- sorry. Yep, ninety four, two thousand four. Mines, July two thousand. Johnny was supplying the shells in partnership with DW. Steve Maxwell now part owns the craft company. He thinks. Uh, just been reading a great old interview with Johnny C on not so modern drummer. Worth checking out. Thank you, Charlie. Because because that's that. Because I was kind of close. That's you, cool though. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool that you got it. And I agree with you. Five and a half. I might mm-hmm. say six and a half. But there's sometimes when that six and a half is too meaty and you want that that crack with just a little bit of body. So I, I'm with you. Like when I can't get my hands on something solid, it's going to be a five and a half and it's going to be glorious. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, David says everyone's got their own individual taste and whatever each person feels is their own opinion. And if someone agrees to disagree, hopefully it can be in a be a in-depth conversation in an understanding way. Each person become, each person became to what they think. Yeah, and I guess like, kind of what he's talking about. Like, my main point with this discussion is like, especially for anybody that's young that's watching. I say young because I'm about to be forty, <clears throat> younger than me. <clears throat> my thing would be, do not get intimidated by these guys online and think that your opinion might be wrong because they're spouting all this toxicity. The point of this discussion is to let everybody know that a lot of the times these experts are not experts at all. Yeah. They really don't. They're like, in most cases, they're a one trick pony. They know a lot about Keystone Ludwig. That's it. If you were to talk about Blue and Olive Badge or Pioneers, or they wouldn't know anything. Or they're a super, you know, they're, they're an aficionado for stop sign badge Gretches. But if you start talking about round badges, they know nothing. Or if you talked about DW, they'd be like, whoa. So in a lot of cases, they're one-trick ponies. So it's very easy to get intimidated online because they can be so brash because they're hiding behind a keyboard. And just know that unless you're talking to Diane Gretsch or W, uh, Bill Ludwig III yeah. or Fred Gretsch mm-hmm. or Crabby himself, you don't. 
whatever these people are saying is not the Bible and it's not written in stone. Yeah. That's kind of the point of this whole discussion is, you know, these guys get into a little comfortable space and they think that they own the market on that idea and they really do not. And it's you're starting to see a little bit more pushback, I think, nowadays. Because, like I said, a lot of the younger guys are coming up. And I don't know if you, if anybody, we were talking about this yesterday. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the vintage drum market has absolutely skyrocketed. Exploded. Yeah. Like, it's cool again. It is cool. There was a day where you could find acrylites for $100 all day long. And now it's 300 Yep. All day long. You could get club dates for four on eBay. Now they're eight. You could find old K's. You could find all this cool stuff. Guess what? The market is wide open. Like, so everybody is interested in Ludwig drums again. They're interested in Gretsch drums. They're interested in Slingerland. They want, I can't tell you how many times I see a guy of my age or a little bit younger on Instagram now, and they're playing some kind of Duco finished Gretsch or Ludwig, or they're playing some single tension bass drum. I mean, it's, it has absolutely become, oh, look at that. Charlie Smith, the drummer has followed me on Instagram. Thanks buddy. I'll get to your message here in a bit. Um, so that's the cool pushback is like a lot of younger people are getting into and realizing, yeah, you want to have some modern drums. They're obviously amazingly built and they all sound great, but a lot of them are getting into, Oh, but there's something about, yeah, you know, an old premier snare from the fifties or an old acrylite or an old black beauty or, a, you know, a Dixie land from Gretsch from the fifties. There is something to be said for that. And I think part of that, I saw this in one of those videos I had to watch about, like, mixing and everything like that, is um, the guy's saying, is like, we spend all this time to get the cleanest possible sound through mixing to then just add a bunch of distortion and reverb to make it sound like it's from the 60s and 50s. And I think, partially, I think a lot of folks are now trying to get that with their drum sounds because that's now becoming, like you say, everything's becoming... Everybody puts a towel, a uh, t-shirt on their snare now. Yeah. So you're basically just chasing that 50s drum sound. Yeah, and everyone's putting those... Everyone's got BFDs and everything's doing all this. Yeah. You know, all this other stuff. So it's... Like the guy was saying, and this is from like a whole mixing perspective from him, like other things, like, you know, you spend all this time to get these clean, polished vocals, to get everything just right, and then we go through... With all this expensive gear to then get all this crunchiness added to it with plugins, whether it be analog or digital, to get that liveness back to it again. I was like, well, then why don't we just use the old stuff? Like, why? And I guess that's kind of what's happening is everyone's kind of going back for that that old, dirty sound. Because I guess there's, at least for us anyway. Dirt's where the funk's at, bro. Yep. I'm sorry. So, any more? Um, no, that's it for right now. All right, well, that's kind of how... That was our take on, like, gear experts, so-called gear gurus. I think Jarrett has a little bit more to speak on the educational yeah. lesson type. I have a little bit, but I think you have a little bit more to say on that subject than I do. Because, like, there's, like, I would definitely say that there's now a overabundance of guys now who are, like, teachers, um... Yeah, teachers who, you know, give their opinion and stuff. And and I think a lot of it has gotten to, like, an actual echo chamber. Like, everyone does the same, like, three videos on stick control. And then they got the same guys that do all this. But then there's some younger guys that are out there that are, you know, kind of 
not so paving the way, but they're kind of like getting their start. And some of the terminology they use to me is just wrong. The guy's like, it's just triplets. It's and they'll and they'll play triplets not as a triplet play as a sixteenth note. They'll play it straight. Or they'll call it triplets because it's only three notes. Or they'll go, oh, it's a triple stroke roll, and they're playing a double stroke roll. I'm like, well, a triple stroke roll would mean there's three strokes in your roll, thus the triple stroke. You know, and stuff like that always kind of irks me. And then you get all the guys who are like, how to get the gig. Here's what you do. And and a lot of them are starting, I guess, have been just regurgitating, you know, what a lot of folks tell everyone all the time. And it's just a lot of just noise. It's always the... You get the same, you know, 16 chop videos because that's what's hot right now is all these chops and everything. And um, and some of the stuff they say is just, to me, I don't really agree with. It's a lot of guys are, like, pushing for technique. And I try to do this thing where, like, if I see someone playing, I go to the comment section on YouTube now and I, and I ask, what's your reasoning behind it? It's like, I'm not doggy. I just want to know, you know how you got to this conclusion or why you do it this way. And sometimes, you know, it's met with, you know, oh, this is like, there's one girl named Saya, Sia. She's a young girl. I think it's called SAI. She was playing traditional grip. And I noticed a lot of folks play traditional grip with, they let their fingers fly off the stick. Like they'll play and they lose their fulcrum and it comes off. And they're doing this whole open hand thing. Like Dave Weckl, Kaliuta, you know, all the big guys that do play traditional do that. And so I was just curious, and one guy was, it's probably your jazz says, I'm like, that makes sense. It's like, but I'm coming from a marching background, and your fulcrum is where your thumb meets your index finger. And once you lose that, you lose the whole stick. Your whole thing comes apart from there. And the one guy was like, well, think it's to be more fluid or more open. I'm like, ah, well, I see what you think, but from my pool of knowledge, you lose all that because you're now losing. That's like if you're playing with your right hand and you just open your whole hand up to hit the ride and then close it back again. That's essentially the same thing. Like whether your fulcrum's in your first two fingers or you play in the back for a more open sound, it's basically you're just opening your hand the entire time. And that's what I, my whole thing with, with the traditional, when guys do that, they're, they're letting their whole hand open to play. And he's like, well, I got to watch more videos on Buddy Rich. I mean, um, on Buddy Rich playing. I was like, Buddy Rich is your definitive end all for traditional I mean, as great as he was, that's not that's that's not a good that's not a good place to put a concrete answer. No, Scott Johnson of the Blue Devils is, has more credibility for traditional grip. I mean, he's he writes well, I, music. I think and the he's, bigger problem with that whole kind of issue is anybody can turn their phone into a camera now. Yeah. So any dude can get on YouTube or Instagram and consider himself a teacher. Yeah. When I taught lessons. I was very clear with the students and the parents. I can teach you how to hold the stick, how to basically, and I do mean basically read music, like differentiate between a quarter note, how to count it, an eighth note, a dot, you know, get you playing, teach you some feel, show you some basic feels, and that's about as far as I could take somebody, especially because at that time when I was 26, I wasn't fully developed yet. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, we've talked about it before. He's books. He's the book smart drummer. I'm the street smart drummer. So I don't really know all of that. I can only take you up to like the first third, the back two thirds. When you get into intermediate and professional, I just was very clear. Like, that's not me. 
I'm very good at fundamentals and then teaching you a good basis for feel. That's as far as I can take you. And when, when the student got to the point where they got to that threshold, I would tell them, now you need to go call Harold Bosarge or you need to call Pat McGinley or you need to call one of these other guys that can take them past there. Yeah. But anybody with a phone camera can now get on Instagram Live or YouTube, throw out a bar and a half chop lick and call themselves a teacher. Yeah. When the, in most cases, let's be honest, they're really just regurgitating something that they already saw, you know. So, yeah, I think, you know, kind of what you're leaning on is you really have to be wary. It's kind of like the news today. Yeah, it, that's a really good way to put it. That headline might grab you and it does it to all of us. I'm very guilty of it. But then I have to think to myself, go to the article, go to the bottom, who wrote it and who do they work for? Yeah. Because then you really have to know, like, where is this coming from? And I think it's the same way with the lessons. You know, Stephen Taylor obviously teaches professionally. Um, Carter McLean yeah. teaches professionally. Dave Elich teaches professionally. These are people you can rely on their opinion. Chops Master 66 on YouTube that only knows gospel chops and will down anybody in the comments that doesn't agree with his approach. Mm, that might not be the most concrete one to yeah. follow. And a big thing is like is is getting the ter- for me that's the terminology is because it's it's like learning how to speak English. Yeah. You need to know what the words mean to articulate it to someone to get the point across. And then some of these guys come through. It's like you know, like I was saying, oh, it's like they'll just call out something what they think it is, but that's not correct. And I'm saying, oh, here, it's a herta, and like, nah, it's not. You it's know, it's not. It a herta is when you play the diddles as singles. You know, that's a herta. Yeah, it's not whatever you just thought it is. People done it to me all the time. They would say, well, like, what's your approach to doing drum fills? And it's like, if you're asking me to break down the differences between when I use a six stroke roll or the right side of a Swiss Army triplet or whatever, that is not, I cannot give you that answer. Honestly, because I'm the type of player, I practice what I practice at home. I start out warming up with singles, do it at whatever tempos, I do doubles at whatever tempos with an ostinato on the bass, then it's trip, or then it's a paradiddle time, then it's six stroke roll time, whatever I'm working on. Yeah. And then I try to get all that in as well as I can and get it nice and solid, and then I just want it to naturally come out in my playing. I don't know what the fill is. The fill doesn't happen until I put my hand on the drum at that point of the song. I'm not the type of player to think, oh, well, I'm going to go into a six-stroke roll and then sweep down the toms. And I'm not thinking like that. Yeah. I'm thinking like what fits into the song in that moment, so it's very improvisational in the fact that whatever's going to come out is going to come out. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like you're talking about, where they literally could tell you or notate, like Mike does, mm-hmm. this is exactly what's happening at this point. And it's really, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, counterproductive when the person, and especially if it's a, a younger person, is trying to learn all this and you're misquoting strokes or whatever the rudiment is because not only have you confused them, but you screwed it up later on because they're going to misquote it to somebody else. Yeah. And that just trickle down... Yeah, the that, whole that, way. There's a reason you can go on Vic Firth's website and see all 40 rudiments yeah. and what they're called and not mess it up. Like that that part to me like just throws me, makes me so aggravated. Some guys like 
I'm just playing a six-stroke role. I'm like, are you playing a, a true six-stroke role off the right is right, left, left, right, right, left. That's a true six-stroke yeah. role based upon the 40 rudiments mm -hmm. that are on there. Off the left, it's just backwards. Left, right, right, left, left, right. That's a six-stroke role. You playing a pair diddle diddle is not a six-stroke roll, even though there is one, yeah. two, three, four, five. Well, that's seven. Right? One, two, three, four. That's six. I'm sorry. One. No, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. So you're playing a pair diddle diddle. That's not a six-stroke six roll. There are six hits. Yes. Yeah, it's a six hits, but that's still a pair diddle diddle. It's like, and whatever else you do to it, that's that's no a six-stroke roll. If you play it off the chart, is that's a six-stroke roll. If you want to take the spacing out in between the eighths to sixteenth to make it, you know. I hope that, that's coming through the mic. It does. It, com it comes in really well. <laughs> but that's a whole different thing. It's like, you know, it's still a six-stroke roll, but you just interpreted the spaces differently. It's like, but you're still playing a six-stroke roll. If you, if you play a Swiss Army triplet, like that one thing I was telling you about when Dr. Wynn's like, well, you play these triplets like so-and-so, and they play like that. He's like, no. He's like, a Swiss Army. There's is, only one way to yeah, do it. A Swiss Army is a Swiss Army, and a flam accent's a flam accent. Yeah. It's like, you don't call it someone else's rudiment, because that's not theirs. A Swiss Army is made from the Swiss Army, and it's yeah, and it's played, and it sounds completely different yeah. from a flam accent. Same reason with the flam tap and inverted flam tap. And someone's like, "Well, it's just this." Like, no, it's not it's an inverted flam tap. It's like, oh, I'm doing da da da. No, that's called a cheese because you're putting a diddle on the flam. It's like, say it what it is. Yeah, learn it right. Make sure you know. Yeah, what you're like. When I try to spout drum specs in a video, I make sure I'm spouting the right stuff. Granted, I'm, I've messed it up before, but yeah. I've tried to research. And I would say that's mm -hmm. the same thing for anybody out there that considers them a teacher. Make sure, because I'm not a teacher. Mm -hmm. So you don't see me spouting out strokes to people, so I don't have to worry about it. But mm -hmm. if you are doing that, you better make sure that you are spouting the correct stuff. Because not mm -hmm. only, it's not so much I'm worried about somebody like me that's 39 years old. I'm worried about the 16-year-old that you're going to bend his mind, and then he's going to be misquoting the difference between a pair diddle diddle and a six-stroke roll for the rest of his life. And I'm going to judge you heavily, and I will be the one that comes in the comments, and I will ask you, why do you think that is? And I'm going to tell you what I think my opinion is, and you better be able to back it up. Because that's the only time that I get on my high horse is when it comes to notation, because if you can't do the notation just don't do it don't do it and it's like you, it's one of the few that you got to make sure it's right because if you read a chart of music you're going to play what the chart says you're yeah. not going to interpret to your there's own no way room for error yeah exactly there's it no, is what it only is exactly and that's the only time i will get hardcore anal about anything it's like if you tell me it's that and i know you're wrong i'm going to tell you you're wrong yeah it's like and you better have a very good concrete answer why you're right and i'm like oh I see, and I will see the academic approach coming through. It's like, but anything else, it's like, it's whatever. But that's the one thing I am super duper hardcore about because we should be able to say this and translate it from person to person, and it all makes sense across the board. Yeah. If I tell you this, it shouldn't mean this to that one person and then the opposite to someone else. It's like, and that's my big thing with teachers is they'll start spitting out stuff. I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. And you got all these people watching you taking that as the gospel truth. Yeah. Which is, it goes back to my point is anything on the internet should not be taken as gospel unless yeah. it's Fred Gretsch speaking directly to you or if it's Bill Ludwig speaking directly to you or yeah. if it's Kathy Zildjian. Yes, they probably know. But if it's Chops Master 66, 
I would I would you know weigh that out before I made that like the end all be all of what I was going to take as the gospel for what that ever subject was. And that's why I'm a really big fan of Mike Johnston because he writes out what he talks about. I'm like, so you know what's right. Yeah. Anyone else? Because like I see some guys are putting up drum tab, like <laughs> like it's broken down with like the strokes. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, no. I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah. There's one guy. Um, he's a really great kid. He's a great gospel like uh, CCM player or Christian contemporary music. He's one of those guys, you know, plays the big, yeah, just big. And he's going like, oh, it's you know, you're just playing triplets. He's going right, left, right, kick. I'm like, no, that's a tuple that you're playing, because that's going to be three, uh, three sixteenth note triplets. It should be one, two, three double lines, three with an eighth note off the back of it. No. Yes, it's triplet in one part of it, but you're playing four notes, and the way he was articulating it was coming off as it's only three yeah. as a triplet. I'm like, which is wrong. I'm like, it's a sixteenth note triplet. So it's a tuplet. It's only a three, not a six tuplet. It's just a tuplet because it's just a group of three. I was like, so that's that's when I start getting like upset is when it comes down to the nitty gritty. Because I believe if anyone who knows or knows their salt about anything when it comes to that side, it's like that has to be easily translated across. Otherwise, it gets lost in translation. Yeah, and everyone's upset. That's when well, I think that's and that's even the bigger point is whether you're talking about guys in the in in the nature of whether they speak about teaching drums or if you're talking about gear, anybody who really knows anything can nine times out of ten explain it very simply to you. If that answer gets too overblown, it's probably not right. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure John Cravioto can sit here and break down how to make a solid ply shell drum in about a minute. As opposed to some dude that gives an hour-long PowerPoint presentation on how to do it. It's like, no. The the masters at anything, teaching, building, playing, can usually go, this is all it is. Yeah. And it's usually never more complicated than this is all it is. You know? Now, you put it in the right hands of the right player, they can make it sound like a work of art. But let's be honest, in most cases... It's just a tuplet. Yeah. It's just a bent piece of wood. Yeah. It's just a hammered piece of bronze. You know, the magic happens on the back end. Yeah. Not in the explanation of, oh, well, we take unicorns and we kill them and we grind up their horns and we sprinkle that into the lathe when they're making the symbol. Like, it's yeah. not like that. Yeah. It's really not like that. It's not that magical at Noble and Cooley. It's not that magical at Craviato. They're just bending wood through steam, putting it in a round box and gluing it together. Yeah. Is it magical in what they come out with? Yes. But it's just wood. At its basic point, yeah. It's just wood <laughs> and steam. Yeah. Let's see. We, we've, got, we've got some comments. Let's, let's, Good. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get on to it. Let's see. Um, see, David says, check out DCP's 13x9, 16x16, 14x24 hood whoop kit for sixteen ninety nine. Ooh, what is that? I mean, for six ninety nine. What? Yeah. Check out DCP... Drum Center Portsmouth. I'm that's what I'm assuming. It's a 13 by 9, 16 by 16. Oh, I know it's talking about, talking about the PDP concept. That thing is dope. Yeah, it's kind of what my little bop kit's kind of based oh, around. Before before you before hold on before you get to the next one. Okay. If you're still here, Charlie, 
here is that that Craviato snare drum that Charlie was talking about. Oh, sweet. See, aren't I slick for being able to do that while you were talking? <laughs> I slipped that in there and downloaded it. Look at that. That's dope. That's really nice. That's pretty. Yeah. I hope that thing just thwacks away and sounds like a golden goddess for you, my friend. That oh, yeah. Is, uh, that is super dope. So anyway, back to your comments. See, David says, I totally hear you guys. It's just people being online, snobs in the drumming community. And I'm 22 years old and going to school for recording arts and music. So I love hearing more from all drummers and just learn about Supernet drums. Is 22? No, this is David Bygum. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Let's see. Charles, I must say my drum teacher, Bugbear... Or it's like his pet peeve. It's all those clickbaity titles and the whole idea that YouTube videos can be a replacement for face-to-face -face lessons, which I'm sure you'll agree isn't the case. That's my biggest thing right now is that I want to pay someone for private one-on-one -on -one lessons. I don't like. I'm like I don't care how much it would cost. It's like I want like Steve Lynn or uh, like Carter McLean or. Mike Johnson. I'm like, I want someone one on one because that's where the real education comes from, not from these massive courses. Now, granted, there's massive chopstick in ten minutes that will get you the gig. Yeah, no, I want Mark Juliana for two hours in my living room, telling me, telling me just how to hold the stick. Yeah, you know, or or not, maybe not even that. Um, what was it? I think there's a story of several guys I've I've, I've met that have told me. They have paid for lessons from Johnny Vodakovich, who, if you don't know who Johnny Vodakovich is, he is Stanton Moore's mentor and, like, the godfather of New Orleans drumming from this era. Um, there have been guys that have paid to take lessons with um, with Johnny, and all it involves is coffee. Like, drums don't even come into And they, granted, they've come out completely happy with the product yeah. because they picked up knowledge. But that's what I want, like... Whatever we learn is not the point. It's just that you impart something. If it was just you and me having coffee and I learned all the information, that's fine. Or if you just simply showed me how to hold the stick. Or if you taught me the master chops lick from, you know. Yeah. Whatever. I think you're right. That face to faith is worth so much. Not that there's anything wrong with distance learning because that is a big thing now. But it cannot replace. Because whenever I teach lessons or taught lessons... I am like 50-50. I am like, here's the book. Here's the important parts of why you're playing it. And then I'd get like kind of philosophical for a minute and be like, yeah. how do you apply it? Yeah. What's the point of all this? And it's like, is it for you? Is it not for you? It's like, what do you want to do? And I'm kind of like, well, this part you definitely need to know because this is fundamentals. Like you can't get to step two without step one. Yeah. And it's like after that part, you get into the multi section of like the Build Your Own Adventure book. Like, go to page 39 now if you want to see, you know, Frodo not die or whatever. It's like it gets to that point of everything, <laughs> you know. But I, but the one on one part is like for me is super important because you, you can watch all these courses and tell you, well, here's what you do. Here's the tracks I wrote. Here's the notation. And that might help someone like me on my level. Like, I can read, I know what he's talking about, I got to put in the context. But I also miss and yearn for having someone look at me and go, all right, I see how you're thinking it. Count it out to me. I'm kind of, okay, you're relying too much on this. Try this approach now. Yeah. And, like, work with me to build to that. Because that was like, one of my drum students made massive improvements. And all we did was singles and doubles 
for like six months, but the way we played him yeah. was what really like made him go from kind of okay playing like a Phil Rudd beat to him like destroying Blink-182 songs mm-hmm. and getting in like more math rock now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's taken off like crazy. All from us just taking singles and doubles, how we displace them, and yeah. just opening our mind a little bit wider. You know, and I think it's really hard to get through with clickbaity multiple view videos on YouTube. You really got to have that one on time. I, I've gotten to the point where I just can't even watch them anymore. Um, it's not, it's always the same thing. Like, yeah. okay, you know, but when am I going to use that? Never. Yeah. Uh, Mike Malone says, my college percussion professor made it clear early on that everybody has different size hands, fingers, and arms and bodies. So it'd be ridiculous to assume there's one technique for all, for all looking the same. I agree with you with that, Mike, until you get into like the marching side of the world, which is not what we do here, thank God, because that'd be a whole other monster. We sit with like three different guys who would all complain about, because that's the one time like technique is specific for visuals alone. You, yeah. get, into, you get to the, the drum yeah. corps, because everyone has to look the same across visually because it's more striking. That's when you get into the playing traditional grip on flat drums, which makes no sense because you got the chicken wing, this is up, and you're playing. No, I'm sorry. This is the chicken wing. Yeah, your left hand comes down, drop the shoulder, right arm comes up, and that's how you march for the next eight minutes of a show. And you do that 12 hours a day. But I get the point of yeah. the uniformity. It's a dance almost. Yeah. The way they're doing it. That makes sense. But he's right on the other on the other end of the spectrum. It's, you know, everybody's got a different approach, and that's the whole point. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes the whole thing awesome and makes it grow is that we're all not just playing like whoever. Yeah. There's so many different feels, and you know, I I can't think of you know at least the guys we're we're around with. They're all drastically different. Even all you guys that are in the swing world, you Hugh, um, that other the other Hugh that we met the other night. Yeah. Drastically different feels as opposed to when I try to play a swing beat. Like it's it, it's all very different, and that mm-hmm. I think is the point. Yeah. You know, so that at least that's the way I see it. Let's see. David says, I recently got a late 90s Pearl Prestige Session Studio Select. That's a mouthful. Say that. Say that again. Pearl Prestige Session Studio Select. And it's a killer drum set. I just got into recording my drums progress, and I've learned to fit what works for me with technique and find reliable res- finding reliable sources to shape my own soft playing. I've done a lot of research to find the right drum sources to help grow my knowledge and totally agree with what you guys are saying there's just so much out there it's one it's information overload two we're trying to find the right reputable source i will steer anyone towards drumeo as a foundation but they have a lot of really good like lessons as well but i would say definitely be kind of choosy because some of those lessons nothing against them with the players that are on there but i think some of them are just kind of thrown together that's what they're kind of known and then you have like Erskine going on for an hour about how to play brushes and you talk about like that there's so much in the first 15 minutes of that hour plus lesson that's an overload for me and I'm sitting here still going through just getting my strokes to sound even the first 10 minutes yeah he's already on the back half yeah yeah there you know that's always gonna it's always gonna be like that with content there's always gonna be filler you can't at the level that those bigger channels produce videos constantly, they're all not going to be bangers. There's going to be filler in there. Because they got to 
because they got to keep with the algorithm and getting yeah. the, the views to get money because it's still a business at the end of the day for some yeah. of them. YouTube hates you if you don't upload that, you know, that week, you're going to take a dip, and that's that's what sucks. And I think that's a lot of the videos you will see is because they're trying to keep up with the algorithm. I could care less about the algorithm. I'm not going to be famous. This channel is not going to produce thousands of dollars. I don't care. Yeah, I would rather have Charlie, David. Like all of these guys, Spencer in the chat, just talking to us, as opposed to if it was to blow up to where we had a thousand in on every live stream and the comments come in so fast you can't even read them. Yeah. How fun is that? Because then you get into, well, now you got to do a super chat and pay just to get the comment highlighted enough to where we see it and read it. Yeah. I'd rather have it to where I can actually keep up with what these guys are saying in real time, that's more fun. Or I'd rather put out a regular Bearded Drums video where you actually got something out of it, not me just going, well, this is what I was screwing around with this week because i got to have a video to put up on Friday. Yeah. You know. Uh, Charlie Smith says, nicely done. David Bygum says, knowledge is key in what you learn and take away to help you grow your own understanding of drums and better your approach to playing them. Also, I dig math rock and the drumming style is cool to get more in depth of how the drummers incorporate their own style. A lot of that, especially like math guys, I don't see anyone in that more complicated side of drumming. They're pulling a lot of styles from a lot yeah. of different areas. So if anyone who wants to get more into that, just listen to a lot more records. I mean, listen, I saw yeah, listen. this one guy, like how he was into a record. He's like, I don't do anything. I don't put on the background. He goes, I stop. And I actively listen yeah. for the whole 45 plus minute record. He's like, and then I stop, take a breather, and then I go do whatever I got to go do. But I actively listen to a record for that long. Mm -hmm. He's like, I might, you know, play the song, the track again. And there's something that caught me off guard. He's like, but I'm actively listening through a whole thing, figuring out what's going on, and then pull from there. And But I don't think anyone ever listens to one record like only a couple of times, unless you don't really like it. I think if you like something, you're listening to it a yeah, lot. Yeah, a lot. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I've, at least here lately, with the whole Levon Helm and the band thing, I've watched the same concert over and over and over and over, over again. And it's not like he's doing super complicated stuff, but there's been like, man, how's he getting that little feel nailed in that one spot? Or yeah. how did he push that time where that le that one came in just... I mean, he pushed that one out as far as he could before it was out, and he hit it right before you know it would fall off the cliff. Like, yeah, you're right. And and I find myself a lot of the times if I'm listening to a record, it's not like you know one. To, if I'm listening to a song or or a whole album, there might be one time where I'm zeroing in on the drums, and the next time I listen to it, I might be zeroing in on the bass. Yeah, I'm not always just even listening to the drums or listening to the thing as a whole, trying to catch it as the whole production but some most of the time it's like now nah, i'm like zeroed in on like what is that bass player doing and then how is he playing the drums off of that or you know vice versa yeah um so yeah he's right about that you know about really listening not just putting it on the car and woo 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 but like really listen because you can pick up some cool stuff i know i have you know over the years at least and something i picked up from that house of kush guy that i like to watch yeah. on you've been getting into is he tells you to listen to whatever it is at multiple volumes. Yeah. He's like, and you definitely you definitely hear a lot more at lower volume, which seems counterintuitive to the whole thing. 
No, but I'm, he, but I'm noticing I'm noticing stuff in some songs at lower volume, like a synth part I've never heard before, and then now it sticks out in my mind every time I hear it at a larger volume. Yeah, because I can now pick it. I'm like, oh, that's a cool texture thing. And someone's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll turn it down low. I'm like, no, listen for this. Doom, tick a ding, ding, yeah. ding. And, like, and what he's talking about is the guy really is, is, is like a, it's like a mixing channel about how to mix and record. And he was talking mainly in reference to like when you're mixing to produce a song, he's like basically turn it down to where it's almost inaudible and then through that you should be able to pick up on those little nuances that you might not hear if it was full blast and assaulting your ears and i thought it was funny that he 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 was talking about like how people put their monitors really close to them when they're mixing he's like this is actually very counterintuitive yeah and he was like, I thought it was so funny. He was like, you know, the best place to actually hear the accurate sound of a recording is in your car. And I was like, really? And then he explained it, and it made to- total sense. I was like, wow, that's that's funny that one of the best places to catch all the little mistakes and all the little inconsistencies in a recording is to, like, go put it in your car. Yeah, my friend, in there. my friend does the car check. I do the car check all the time. Every time, every track you've ever heard of mine... As soon as it was exported, the first thing was going to like going to Rachel's every day, put it on in the car and listen to it three or four times in a row in the car at pretty good volume, at normal volume, and then maybe like a low volume and kind of like doing that, kind of trying to hear if there were any inconsistencies or like little things that stood out yeah. that needed to be fixed. So that's that. I like that channel a lot. Uh, let's see, David said, definitely how I learned was from listening to many math rock bands or other genres because I personally learn better sometimes by listening to the parts that I want to dissect more. And that's all, I mean, that's yeah. that's everything. It's just zero in, like, yep. like a sniper. <laughs> Get my windage down. Yeah. <laughs> we are at two hours and 17 minutes, Stephen, so if you... Um, well, I, I've gotten everything I kind of want to say. And I, I think everybody typically agrees with us because we have geniuses in our chat that have great points. Like, we really have good listeners because everything they say is like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Um, we don't have any toxic dudes up in here. That's for sure. Yeah. I would not allow it. We would be, you would be booted off here in a heartbeat. Um, and that's kind of what we, the the approach I think we try to take is like open to all opinions. I always tell y'all to you know, yell at us or agree with us in the chat. But I think the main takeaway, at least for me and over the years of doing YouTube is, you know, you can't take any of these people's opinions as gospel. And you have to realize in a lot of the cases that when it is negative, it's not you, it's them projecting that onto you. Um, but it still is aggravating when you get these, you know, you're just looking for help and there's plenty of things I don't know. There's plenty of things you don't know. And you're just looking for help, and they sit on that high horse, and they act like you know they're the only thing that matters. And it's like, no. And I think those days are getting narrower and narrower because younger people, my age and younger, are coming up, and they're, they've got enough knowledge now where they can be like, you know, come ask me. I won't yell at you, and I won't care if you have a Black Beauty or a Superphonic. Yeah. It's no difference to me. You know, so I think that's kind of the takeaway. And that's kind of the whole thing is like the whole thing is is ever growing. So we're in a super good spot right now in this day and age for I mean, look at us. We're all sitting here. Spencer's like from the the Pacific Northwest, I think. Yeah, Spencer's from Seattle. Uh, I don't remember where David is from. We got a guy from the UK and we're all sitting here in real time talking about Craviato and talking about jerks on forums. I mean, that's. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, I 
count us very lucky because, like I say, I come from a, um, you know, a time when all you could do is buy a VHS of your favorite drummer. There was no YouTube, you know, so we have to also understand the negative stuff aside, how awesome it is right now. I mean, look at us. Yeah. You know, for a mere couple of thousand dollar investment, I'm basically doing what only a radio station could have done 10 years ago. Yeah. At the same quality, you know, these same kind of broadcast mics, you know, so I think for the most part, even though we kind of highlighted on the negative today, all it really does is just reveal more brightly the positive. Yeah. You know, um, anything you want to leave them with? No, i just, thanks. Do you want to, I tell you what we could leave them with, not leave them with because we're not like totally out of here yet, but Jared and I did a really high class recording the other day. <laughs> we, uh, we took, we took a lot of time and I hope y'all are all paying attention because this is like the world premiere of Jared. We, we rented what Jared $9,000 worth of microphones. I think it was 15. It was, because it was had, a lot. We so had a couple of, of, of vintage ribbon mics that we had some, some, we had some, uh, Neumann vintage ribbon mics and, um, we, we hired a guy from mobile, I think who is like Grammy nominated and really took the time to come in here. We're very proud of this. This is J- two clips of Jarrett and I um, from the other day when we were. This is you know this is almost like the Beatles White Album kind of stuff. Like so, here it is just for all of you. This is the premiere of Jarrett and I's. This is our Moby Dick. So here you go. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that. Jared, I think, would agree with me that that is the pinnacle. You want to talk about online gurus and experts? Buddy, you just saw two online gurus and experts in action a moment ago. Yeah, chart that. Yeah, chart that out for me, Mr. <laughs> Steven Taylor. Chart that out for me, Mike Johnston. Like, I forgot he's a T. That's yeah, right. he is a T. Suck that, Cravioto. Like, you can't even handle <laughs> all the fire that was coming off that kit a moment ago. And you remember the day that you saw that, because that is super impressive, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, so, like I said, even though today was a little more of touching on a negative topic, I do think it just revealed the positive, to yeah. be honest with you, at the end of the day. Um now, what I was going to mention uh, earlier on, uh, I am off Facebook because Facebook sucks. But Jared is on Facebook, and I have made Jared an admin for the Bearded Drums Facebook page. So all you have to do is go on Facebook and search Bearded Drums. You'll find the page. If you guys have any questions for us, or if you want us to talk about a certain topic, or if there's anything you want to share with the podcast, like in the hopes of that getting shared on uh, on the show, start going there. I've made Jarrett the admin so he can get back at you, and it's it's Facebook, so it's you know he'll be able to get back at you as quickly as he can if he's not working or he's doing anything. Um, so if y'all have questions for us, or if you want the uh, specific topics to be discussed, um, start sharing that on Bearded Drums at Facebook.com. Yep. And if you want me to show pictures of any of your projects. Anything going on, we don't care. It could just be a drum you just got and you're excited about. 
beardeddrums at gmail.com. Uh, send me the email with the photos and I will get it shared. Um, I enjoyed, you know, this week, um, both, uh, Spencer and Mike. Um, I have to go back to my, my little list here. Um, Spencer and Josh killer kits. I enjoyed the 1776 kit, the beer cap kit. Yeah. Was cool. Um, Spencer, you did a good job with your cortex kit. Um, that was very cool. And of course we tried to show again, Scott Shireman's, uh, rewrapped kit. So very cool. And be on the lookout. Cause again, I'm going to be drilling into this museum piece and turning, turning it into the fattest thing you've ever heard in your life. Uh, <laughs> um, and as always keep in mind, I know I pepper you with it constantly but i have to remind everybody that of course we are live here on youtube every thursday 6 p.m central standard time that's us but if you want to hear the audio only version of the podcast to save yourself on data costs or if you just want something to listen to while you're stripping a drum or tuning a drum you can find us on both apple podcasts and spotify just search bearded drums all of the episodes thus far are already up, and if you give me, I don't know, about an hour, a couple hours from now, tonight's episode will also go as a regular video up here on YouTube, as always, and then I will put it up on Spotify for the audio-only version. Did I miss anything? I don't think you did. I think we dotted all of our T's and crossed all of our I's. Awesome. Well, I have 1,700 more drums to put lacquer finish on, and I also want to eat dinner. Jared, do you have anything else before we jump out of here? No, I hope you all feel better about getting a little bit of your little venting session. We kind of—it's like a little group therapy we had today. I know that's right. Everybody got to yell a little bit about the jerks that they've had to face off with, and uh, y'all also got to see probably one of the best drum recordings you've ever seen in your yeah, life. Yeah, I would definitely put that uh, up against anything Neil Peart has ever done. Yeah, uh, uh, take that—you know—black page. Gene Krupa really doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to what Jarrett and I just showed you a moment ago. So, as always, from both of us, thank you for joining us every Thursday here on the YouTubes. We love having you guys chat with us. It has become kind of the highlight of my week, getting to hang out and uh, probably four more episodes, and we're going to start bringing guests on. Hugh, if you're watching, that means you're going to be one of them, so you better get ready. Oh, yeah. And then the, the guests we'll have will not all be drummers. We'll have different people from other industries coming in yeah and film or you know a guitarist take on his approach to drummers uh, a bass player's take on how they approach drummers it'll be we'll have we'll try to have good engaging guests on oh yeah so be looking for that and as always we will see you next thursday um oh, that's right tagline yeah go we'll ahead see you, you. you do it yeah we'll see you on the next one all right guys we're out of here <laughs>